The following is not intended for younger audiences. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the one and only Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Welcome, welcome everyone to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I'm Birthday Dude, Joe. (gasps) Is it someone's birthday? It might be, or at least when you hear this. It's someone's birthday! Oh... Man, welcome to the show, everybody. Um, yes, if you if you haven't figured it out by now, um, once this episode uploads, my my dear friend, my best friend ever, uh, Joe Dinny Dan, my co-host, this person I'm looking at right now, and embarrassing with kindness, uh, <laughs> it will be his birthday. Um, the big do do you care if I? I mean, no, I not think I said okay. Um, the big three zero, uh, and I'm gonna you know what, I'm gonna say this right now because also when this is uploaded will be well this when this uploads we'll probably be sitting in an airport waiting to get on a plane because we're going to Disney mm-hmm. for like what the fourth time right yeah this will be the fourth uh, fourth time <laughs> yeah wow the fourth time. We'll be going to Disney together. I feel like it's now just become like our excuse to hang out in person because we, you know, we live in different states. It's like, well, just go to like. Listen, if we're gonna hang out, let's let's go to Disney. Let's just let's just do it up. Let's do it up. And um, normally we do do this around Joey's birthday because it's like towards the it's like towards the end of the summer. It's like a like let's 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 end it with a bang. And you know, plus this particular trip is sort of in between Joey's and my birthday because we're like both august babies mm-hmm. um but this is a special one because joey turns 30 and i i it's tough I, I i talked about it many times on this show uh especially in 2020 when uh, uh the the pandemic had just started and i'm like oh great they, they keep they kept saying oh covid's gonna last for about three years like the whole pandemic part lasts for three years i'm like are you telling me the first three years of my 30s is going to be me, like, freaking out the whole time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, world. I appreciate that. Uh, so, like, so like going from 29 to 30, I'm just sitting there going, oh, no. <laughs> it's, like, just complete existential dread. And um, I don't want Joey to feel that. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard not to because you're going to be thinking about a lot of things. Not that Joey needs to hear that, but... I want to try to make sure that while we're in Disney, we'll be in Disney Springs having a good time, living it up Joey style, having a good time and uh, not thinking about anything. And if he does think about stuff, we're going to sit and talk about it because we're because that's what we do. Um, 
and uh, at least you'll know that I know what I'm talking about for once. Yeah, you're, you're 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 experienced in this field, so you can be technically classified as an expert. expert. <laughs> Heavy on the air quotes. It's uh yeah, like it's when you see those documentaries. This is Richard Purnell, uh, thirties expert. <laughs> So when you turn 30, it's this rush of just, fuck, I'm almost 40. And then, <laughs> uh, but no, I'm gonna, I want to try to definitely make sure while we're there to, to make sure you have a good birthday. So I'm excited for that first day, especially, you know, we'll, cause we'll get there about 1030. Hopefully this will all already have been shared on, <laughs> on all the social medias. Um, yes. I'll probably like be in the airport hoping there's good Wi-Fi, just going shit, shit, shit. <laughs> Okay, it's up. Sweet. Mm-hmm. And then and then Joey gets you get there half hour before I do? Or I like think 15? so. Yeah. Something like so that. Jo- so Joey will get there half hour before I do. It'll be in the morning. And then by the time we get to where we're staying at the Polynesian, which is a bucket list location for Joe Denny Dan. Indeed it um, is. He's been, he's been very excited to stay here. And I, I we, we went in there last trip, and it was genuinely like amazing. We'll be getting a Dole Whip first day because we can because they have them at the Polynesian. This is true. And then you know we'll probably get some lunch in Disney Springs. Kill some time to maybe do a little like pre pre gaming shopping. You know, find some cool <laughs> <Yeah>. stuff. <laughs> pre game shopping. Because <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't drink. Joey Joey doesn't really drink, and so it's that's our pre gaming. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't drink very often. Like, at all. like no. so. Uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's gonna be a good time. I'm very excited for this trip, uh, mm-hmm. and. You know, it, it's just. Um, I how also, can I can I ask you? I don't mean to cut you off. Can I ask you how you're feeling about thirty right now? How I'm like, feeling about thirty. Um, you know, it, it's more just like, huh? I got to this point. You know, it's okay. It's, it's, All right, I think um, that's a good mindset. I think I think the the most existential dread I've had recently involving it was was with my job because my job my job title changed and certain things and looking to apply to other things. And I thought about it more on that, that spectrum. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, otherwise I don't think I would be thinking about it as much where I'm like, no, I want to like, because if I want to do something, I want to be happy while I'm working, you know, or at least as happy you can be. Um, so that's probably the most it's really come down to as far as like just being, as far as turning 30, um, you know, I mean, but, you, you, you witnessed firsthand me and, and my yeah. whole thought process. Oh, so I don't know oh, if yeah. that, I don't know if that, uh, if that helped or anything or that did anything for you to be like, you know what? I'm going to not do this. <laughs> when I start turning 30. It also helps too that like, I mean, when, when you turn, when you turn 30, the difference is, was like COVID real, I mean, COVID's still around, but like COVID really was like the only like, thing you could think about every day for a good chunk of time. Yeah. Um, it was, it was, it was just like, you know, cause you're already thinking about like your own mortality to begin with. Mm-hmm. And so then when you hit that sort of big number age, it's just like, Oh, by the way, <laughs> while you're also thinking about your own mortality and how vulnerable you really are, um, and how easily you could actually like, not be here the next day 
um, we're going to talk about aging, and we're yeah. going to talk about how how that because because the truth is you know not to like get dark or tr- or real very real or anything, but we are all going to die. Yeah, that's that's just an inevitable truth in every respect. It's just we don't know exactly when how. We just hope that you know. One thing I always liked about like like people that are getting in their like sixties or so, it's not so much like oh fuck I'm sixty. It's more like I made it to sixty. Yeah, like that's that's kind of that's that's kind of a nice. That actually kind of helps me a lot when I was getting into my like thirty thirty one because then I'm like I made it. I made right. it to this age, mm-hmm. which you know obviously at some point you know there's just going to be an age I'm not going to make it to, but. Um, I don't want to just entirely put my focus on that, even though that there's so many times it's going to happen anyway. Um, yeah, but I want to just kind of keep focus like, Oh, I made it to this age. That's awesome. Yes. So, but I think it sounds like you're, you're definitely in a, in a better headspace right now. I mean, when, it, when you get closer, it might change. I hope not. Yeah. I but, mean, you know, it, it, I think it also helps too. Like we already we did a big celebration with my family, with we combined a bunch of birthdays because I obviously I'm I'm leaving for Disney on my birthday, so mm-hmm. we're not gonna be able to do like a celebration for. So we are we combined it with my mine birthday, Mike's birthday, my cousin's birthday. Um, you know, so it's like I got that part out. You know, um. But it's also another thing too, where I, th- I think I think I just I think about mortality. Like I've thought about mortality basically my whole life because of yeah. you know what happened with my dad. Yeah. So it's like it's kind of something where I'm like, not that not that it 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 gets you know how do I put the phrase this? It's it, you know it, it's just it's just there, and it's just like okay. yeah. And some days you think about it more than other days. That's you know. Um, some things trigger it more than others, but, um, you know, I am I am excited just to celebrate and just hang out with you. Of course, go to Disney, try Aww. out Tron. I mean, got got to try that out. That's going to be. Uh, I will excited. finally be Jeff Bridges' son. You will be Jeff Bridges' son, his <laughs> buddy bully. Move over, Sam. It's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> Now oh. see now now I'm just imagining like um like Derezd, but like done on like a kazoo. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that didn't sound that bad. I was gonna say I was pretty proud of that. that I did not have good. a kazoo. I just put I just put my fingers like. Um, but I'm just back. gonna if I I'm I'm gonna talk about stuff I've done recently. Yes, how 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 has your how have you been lately? Real quick, uh been fine. You know, um been pretty been pretty okay. I've seen you know, I've seen movies. Um What? Now, You've yes. watched movies? Yes. Uh <laughs> You know, but it should be I'm just going to say this right now, like I don't know what the status of things with Hollywood with the strike are going to be by the time my birthday rolls around. Uh, with the the double strike that's going on, but Hollywood WGA SAG AFTRA, like, and they're thinking about torpedoing the like the studios are thinking about torpedoing their fall winter lineup of movies. Uh, which a- after the weekend that Barbenheimer had, why would you do that? 
like <laughs> like like you're 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 just gonna do a 2020 and push all your release dates instead of properly paying people and it's 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 terrible it's terrible business but what do i know i i don't run a i don't run a conglomerate um you could i could maybe <laughs> the two dudes corporation <laughs> listen like it, it, it's just dumb but like i saw bar i saw barbie and oppenheimer this weekend um barbie i love both by the way they're they're pretty great um Barbie was so funny. Ryan Gosling is like, ugh, he's so goddamn funny. Like, like every other thing he says, or just just standing there, he's so funny. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, and he's just, it's just. I mean, we, you and I know he's a great actor, but he's. I think this movie is also a reminder. Like, holy shit, Ryan Gosling is not only like handsome, but he is a great actor, too. It's like, stop uh, it. Why do you listen? You got to save some it. of that for the rest of us. And then Greta Gerwig, um, you know, like just just being amazing. And you know, she wrote this with with Noah Baumbach. Um, mm. Margot Robbie's great in this. You know what I found sort of? I mean, I haven't seen it yet, um, and I'll, I'm gonna try to watch it tomorrow. But um, what I've always I found kind of funny about Barbie is like I've from the day it was announced, I've been expect like, cause it's been described as sort of like, like super funny, but also like it gets really deep and talks about like really personal things. Um, and the whole time I'm like surprised that like so many people are like, I'm so shocked how, like how much this gets into it. And I'm like, I've been expecting this exact thing <laughs> from the moment this movie was announced. I'm like, I'm expecting this movie to be like, like super ridiculous and funny but also like really get into it because it's like you don't really get a director like Greta Gerwig and not do that yeah I was thinking about that too because my mom really enjoyed the movie but she's like they got they go into the death stuff a lot which they talk about (laughs) in the trailer you know it's kind of one of those things where it's just like well where are you gonna go you got you have to sort of take it in that like a meta direction um Mm -hmm. or maybe you know but it's like most of my favorite like my three favorite movies this year are are like really existential like asteroid (laughs) city is like really like about existentialism and then like grief terrific Mm -hmm. movie uh but then that leads me to oppenheimer um which i saw in uh new york's uh the lincoln square uh theater um in imax 70 millimeter probably one of the ideal places you can see this movie um, I saw it with Feehan. What an experience! Um, I, I I hadn't I haven't seen Tenet. So the last Nolan movie I saw was was Dunkirk, which mm-hmm. was that was five years. Well, yeah, five years ago, five six years ago at this point. Hold on, I have the disc next to me because I was it 20, watching it, it the other day. Is it twenty eighteen uh, or something like 2017. that? Twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen. So it's like six years. Um, which is which is kind of um kind of insane, but. You know, I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, it's like, uh, just like it, it's it's such a like it, it's hard to describe in words. Like mm. you, you got to see it. Like obviously, there's a plot and everything, and you know, there's characters, but it's like it really the Manhattan is, Project, the Manhattan Project. Um, Killian Murphy, terrific. Robert Downey Jr. Like, when was the last time that he was like this good in a movie? Um, like he's great as Iron Man, but like, it's really great to see him here, you know, doing something that's not like, oh yeah, this dude's a movie. No, he's like 
he's a, like he's not resting on his laurels. He's he's a really good actor um, mm-hmm. in this. Um, like, and it's also like the character actor's version of Avengers Endgame, where you're like, I know that person, I know that person, I know that person. <laughs> there was one thing that was spoiled for me. Uh, one person who shows up in the movie, uh, at least as an actor goes, and uh, I was disappointed that it was spoiled for me, but like, it was like, oh my god, this person's in this movie, you know, <laughs> for, for a brief scene. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite moments, there's a moment where like Einstein comes walking and it feels like a, a cameo. You know, we've already seen him <laughs> in the movie, but like he shows back up and it's like, what's going on? What's going on here? I need um, to talk to you about the Manhattan Initiative. But uh, but this movie, like the sound, the I felt the sound in my chest. It was Ooh. it was such like a, a visceral experience, and you're you're left, and it's probably like you know even though, like this is from the director who made Inception. Like it's one of the more dreamlike Nolan movies out there. Um, like there's there's a lot of like visions and sequences where I'm like, I was not expecting this. In, in, in a Nolan movie. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I recommend, I, I was, it's one of those things though, where like, it's pretty much sold out for its entire IMAX run. If you're trying to see it in 70 millimeter, like they, and it's gotten to the point where some theaters have added two thirty in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, like show times to meet that demand. There's screens mm-hmm. in Canada that are, that need projection. They were like looking for projectionists because Richard and I saw 2001 in 70 millimeter. You can't just do it willy nilly. You can't just switch the no. switch. You know, it's it's a uh, it's a very uh, you know it's a skilled skilled position. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very special set of skills. Um, but <laughs> very particular set of skills. Very particular set of skills. Uh, skills say... that make me r- skills that make me run Oppenheimer for people like you. <gasps> Sorry, <laughs> just turned into just turned into Taken. Um, were you going to say something? Play no, I was just quoting Taken. <laughs> okay. <All right>. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. If you don't play Oppenheimer now, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will blow you up. <laughs> Poppenheimer. <laughs> oh, Benheimer. Uh, but how are you doing? Tired. Speaking mm. of Barbenheimer. Well, I work yeah. at a movie theater, just to reiterate. My dog is barking. Um, and this past weekend has been pretty crazy. It's, it hasn't though at the same time, it's been manageable. I think though we have a lot of new people now, so I'm sure this is like their first real, like, holy shit, this is so busy. So, um, cause there was a lot of comparison. Cause I think the last time we were super busy was Mario. And so there was like, you know, is this like, is this going to be like Mario? Like what's going on? And I'm like, eh, kind of. But like I'm, I was lucky because you know I was working the bar, and so like I, you know, you only get so much traffic with alcohol, and everyone else is just buying popcorn, and um, you know I got tipped pretty well, let's just say. Um, for the two days I worked, I got about four hundred twenty-one dollars. Nice in in tips, um, and that is all going to Joey on his on his birthday. <laughs> I only say that just for Joey to do what he's doing right now. Shaking his head and going, stop it. It's stairs and Killian Murphy. <laughs> um, but no, I'm 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 pretty tired though. Though today I'm sure is just as crazy because it's Sunday for us now. It's July twenty third, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure people at work right now are going crazy. One of my coworkers is working a double like all weekend. So, so it's like shit. Um, but it's, it's, it's pretty wild. Uh, outside of that, um, I've just been kind of chilling, you know, haven't really been doing a whole heck of a lot. I, I do want to see Barbie and Oppenheimer, but I'm probably going to wait till the week when everyone's at work, like try to see him in the morning. Um, so my plan is I'm going to go try to see Barbie tomorrow morning. And then Wednesday morning, I'll try and see Oppenheimer. Gifford's trying to do Barbenheimer today is like, but I'm glad personally that I didn't do them together, just so I could process both movies. Yeah, that's I, I the idea of doing them both together seems pretty cool, but like, you don't have to do them back to back. Like, no one ever said you had to do that. As long like if you want to do Barbenheimer, is you can see one like Friday, see another Saturday, you're perfectly fine. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna try to do that. I do have. There's a few movies coming out. Like there's like the next few weekends. There's actually a bunch of stuff coming out that I want to see. So like, it's like you know you got Barmanheimer this weekend, Haunted Mansion next weekend, and then literally that week, like in the middle of the week, is Ninja Turtles, which I'm super stoked for. And then as of this episode uploading, is the Last Voyage of the Demeter, the Dracula movie, which looks really cool. Um, so like it's, 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 there's a lot of, there's a lot of things being, ex- you know, a lot of things worth being excited about right now. Yes. Um, but, oh yeah, I got to talk about this thing on the opposite end of things. Um, I did watch a movie, uh, this past week. Um, I have not talked about this with Joey yet, actually, but I also don't like talking about it as Joey knows. <laughs> This is true. I've I've had to. I, I send a lot of memes, so I apologize. Uh, <laughs> I've slowed down, unless it's something yeah. that's like actually useful or, <laughs> really fu- or I find really funny. But continue. Like, but um, no, I, I I knew I was going to watch it at some point. Um, whether it was going to be like uh, if someone rented it, or I was just like screw it and rented it, or like when the disc came out or whatever. But I knew at some point I was going to watch it, and I don't. I've never, I don't really ever like talking about it within context. I never really like talking about movies without watching them. I feel weird about it, admittedly. Right. That's, that's not to say other people have to do that, obviously, but, um, like, I just always felt weird about it. Um, I I think also, too, when I think about it, it's like, on one hand, like, if I was going to say, like, talk about a pure flicks movie, it's like a lot, save for the people that are just trying to get a paycheck, most of those people are, like, making this, like, quote unquote indie movie so they can like spread harmful messages and stuff whereas like uh like the big studio stuff i'm like 90 percent of these people are just trying to get some work <laughs> you know it's like but uh long story short i watched uh the flash big uh most anticipated movie of <laughs> the summer of 2023 obviously um it's hard it's hard to figure out where to start with this one cuz there's there's a lot and like I almost feel like I want to do a video on it just to like really get in depth with it but like it would be one and I said this to Joey this would be one of those things where it's like I will never talk about it again after that <laughs> like, I, I, was, I remember saying it could be a potentially cathartic experience for mm-hmm. you um, and also somebody asked what do you think you just post this reply and just move on with your life like like here 
done. I did after because I posted on Letterbox. One of my coworkers was like, "Was it worth watching?" Because I saw you post it. Like, like, in, like in all seriousness, was it worth watching? And I'm like, eh. you know, because um, here's here's the thing, right? There was a point. I'm gonna try not to make this last so long. There was a point I was genuinely stoked for this because when they when they when they announced that you know because how do I fuck how do I start this um so okay for the longest time whenever Warner Brothers would decide to adapt a superhero like a DC superhero character it was Batman and maybe Superman and then for the longest time it was like everybody else it's like well we're trying we're seeing what we could do we just want to get it right and it's like no you just don't want to do it because you know you're making money off of Batman so like why would you want to adapt anything else and so then this whole cinematic universe thing kicked in and so they're like okay let's let's try to adapt these other characters so we finally got a wonder woman movie it was great aquaman movie it was great um which i was thankful for because there was that nervousness that it was going to be like kind of the snyderiness no offense to anyone that likes the snyder stuff but it it was it wasn't going to feel like more true to that character versus the interpretation that was being you know what i mean like in the snyderverse sure um Oh, I got a sure. Oh no! <laughs> no, this is this is a. I'm just teasing you. I'll thank you. Uh, but no, like, uh, thankfully they were both really good, so it made me excited for the possibility of, you know, any of these other characters, especially the Flash, who I love that character so much, um, and just some of the really cool, like, like the Flash is like probably one of the more science science fictiony characters. It's so, like you can add a lot of fantasy to Wonder Woman and Aquaman. Um, Superman's very science fictiony as well, but you can almost do like even like a Star Wars kind of thing a bit with that one as well. Like especially if you're doing Krypton stories, but um, with the Flash, it almost feels like straight up science fiction, like time travel, you know, all that kind of stuff, which is really cool. And uh, they had the TV show, which was which was fun for a little bit. So, but I wanted to see a Flash movie, and we had an actor playing the Flash, and so there was just a lot of cool things. But then all of this shit started happening. Like, regimen changes at, at Warner Brothers, um, uh, a whole different uh, change in leadership with just DC specifically. So much pressure put on the movie to, to be this, like, end point for this previous universe or to be like a, a a bridge to help explain why there's a new universe because warner brothers went from being like let's just make movies to being like okay we care about the connected stuff again you know because we want to we want that to work um and then of course you know without really going into it all the shit with ezra miller now that weighed on it so and then like the state of VFX artists in the world of superhero movies, which, you know, without going into a big rant about it, every time someone on Twitter posted like, why does this look like a PS3 movie? My initial response was like, well, this person was probably worked, uh, you know, way too long for uh, something that they're probably not entirely proud of for very little money for very short amount of time. And the fact that they were able to get something done during you know a really shitty period in their life i'm sure you know and (laughs) the last thing they need to see is a bunch of nerds on fucking twitter just going why does this look so bad i'm like because they're trying (laughs) it's like they're, they're given so much and they're not um it's like so many superhero movies are coming out every single year 
and they're demanding so much more and more and more to the point where even the directors like don't even know what the fuck's going on they don't know what the fuck's going on um yeah so whenever i see that like i'm i'm obviously i'm always thinking about the art the effects artists but i'm also thinking about like you know if you're like the studio and i'm like you're you're really gonna like sit there and say this is the greatest superhero movie i've not seen yeah. this movie by the way but like I, the clips and from what people ha- have have said to me like maybe i'll check it out once it's like on streaming and i, I don't have to pay for it yeah um but not to d- derail your um no thing, no 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 you're fine but but it, it it's just you know i i because i think about like you know we've we just had like avatar the way of water we had top gun maverick where the st- the effects and stuff are top notch and it's like it's really it's those are two movies where it's like it shows what what happens when people when when there is serious care um serious you know, care putting, putting respect time and, money. and that helps and part of that is cuz you have like James Cameron or like Tom Cruise where those guys say what you will about them there's a lot to they say want, about they them. they 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 at least care about what they're making exactly and yeah. that's not to say the people making the flash didn't like the i don't mean the produce i mean like the no 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 yeah on like set the crew like the crew those people they do care but they were put under they don't they don't get the final say they don't get the final say they're put in an extreme no. circumstance um and so and, it just makes it yeah. it just it just makes it so frustrating just to hear like so much shit and it's like do you you just don't understand it's like i don't because i'm not there but i feel like i'm like these people are getting shit on because of being in a harrowing situation of this like multi-million dollar company, just Disney, Warner Brothers, whatever the fuck, just going, we're going to need this. We're going to need it in uh, a week. We can't do that in a week. Not even like how much money are you giving us? How much people, how many people are working on this? Just you. And we're giving you this much money. But also too, it's like, oh, you said you could do it for this price. You know, there's a lot of that going on. Um, I don't know if you've it's, ever watched uh, Life After it's messed Pi. Up. Uh, there's like a half hour thing. You watch it on YouTube, but it's like it's it is about like Rhythm and Hughes and how they shut down, or they they went bank they went bankrupt. Um, after and then it was like as Life of Pi was winning the Oscar for visual effects, and they brought <laughs> Richard the the main thing the tiger Richard Parker to life. You know, it's it that the thing is like. If people talk about the writers, I think the writers, and especially for the big things like the VFX artists, for a yeah. lot of these things, th- that's you really need to pay these people. You need to pay everybody, but like you pay everybody. You, but you, the, the, if you want it to like, if you want it to be good and work, you let them make it. Like, like when people say like, "Oh, I, I'm glad like this movie doesn't look like it has CGI." There's there's a lot more going on with CGI than just like the big spectacle moments. Like, yeah. there's a lot of stuff where like you wouldn't even think twice about it if you saw it there's a lot of cleanup work and just it's because it's 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 at a point where it's like it's it's in so many shots you know so in so many shots it's so pay these people um yeah just pay please pay these yeah (laughs) pay pay these people and treat them with respect or else you know you're gonna get a flash situation or uh you know whatever um but it's a lot (laughs) it's it's a lot and so like i was always really frustrated whenever i saw like those tweets and yeah watching the movie you know there's definitely it's not great by any means there's a few moments i was like this looks really cool but um you know i'm not gonna go full tilt like oh what the fuck was this i'm like well i know what the fuck it was it was 
artist under terrible working conditions. Um, but uh, I will say this about the movie. There is the DNA at the very least for all the literally like because you can see it on screen like there's so much like reworking and pulling and stretching and fixing and like changing because they had different plans here and different plans there there was a point there was a good movie here i would i would like to think that um because the things that really work like the emotional core of it um in regards to because the whole the whole plot is based on the flashpoint comic where um barry allen the flash is uh he goes back in time and prevents his mother's death but then when he comes back as excited as he is that his mother's alive um he's now in a alternate timeline uh, you know butterfly effect stuff and so now it's like this dilemma of like the world is significantly worse now because you chose to save your mother at like a fixed point in time or something and so then it becomes this like existential thing and um the mom is played by mercedes from pan's labyrinth she is amazing in the movie and it's not like she she doesn't have a whole bunch of scenes but like every time she shows up my heart is like melting I believe she's... uh yeah marivelle verdue i believe mm-hmm. um she's also in yeah. e mama tambien great movie so just seeing her there like and i always get like emotional when it comes to like when the mom is like an emotional core of something like i think of like rugrats in paris and yes. like which it, it sounds real, but no like trust me that movie when you hear I want a mom that lasts forever, like streams of tears, like it's genuinely emotional. And so whenever that stuff happens in the movie, I'm genuinely like on board. Um, some of the, some of the like superhero stuff is kind of cool. Like um, there was one really cool scene where the flash is running from central city to Gotham city. The, the effect for that was really cool. So I'll, I'll, I'll give, I'll definitely give credit for that. Um, the music I thought was really good. Like the score for the whole thing was really good. Um, the the issues lie in again just w- this movie getting pulled apart and and refixed and reworked to be so many different things. So like obviously the big element like Michael Keaton comes back as Batman, and as it was so cool to see him. Admittedly, yeah, like it was cool to see him. It was cool to see you know some of the attention to detail and some of the in jokes like the references and stuff, but it doesn't extend from that. Because obviously this was meant to be, at least at a time, like the introduction of Michael Keaton coming back as Batman and he was going to be in background. That was going to be a whole thing. And then that changed immediately. So now it just is, hey, it's Michael Keaton as Batman. So it doesn't amount to anything else after that. So that feels like like it's like I was talking to Joey because like Indiana Jones came out and he was excited for that because he's a big indie fan. And I was excited to see Michael Keaton as Batman. And so like our heroes you know, our elder heroes are back and, on screen. And admittedly, there was a period of time where, was, like, if if there wasn't the whole Ezra situation, I would have yeah. suggested The Flash and the Dial of Destiny as an episode. Because yeah, well, it, yeah. it, it would have been, like, the big hurrah of, like, our favorite, like, 80s, you know, 80... Well, both these heroes <laughs> were in theaters in 1989, so... Yeah. Know, there's that. Like, <laughs> Keaton is Batman, and then, of course, uh, Ford Harrison is in Ford. Yeah. Um, and I just think, yeah, there's a lot to be said about that, but, you know, I don't think we're really ever going to talk about The Flash on this show. No, um, this is the this is the extent of it right here, honestly. Like, um, uh, if, if I ever see it, I'll briefly talk about it in one yeah. of our how-do-you-do's, but I, it's never going to get its own thing. No. Um, but uh, it, it's kind of sad, because 
you know, on one hand, it's sad because there was that whole other prospect of him being Batman, like, for the foreseeable future, but then it's sad because it's clear, like, I'm glad he got a paycheck, I'm glad he got to be around and, you know, get to put on the suit again, but at the end of the day, it's like, there's, it doesn't amount to anything. It's, it's literally just, anytime he shows up, the Batman theme happens, there's a few little in-jokes. I, I will say one cool, like, little character trait was that, because he's, like, retired as being Batman and he's old now, he uses old technology to try to do things. It's so, like he's trying to hack into like a Russian like missile thing or whatever, and he's using a flip phone. So I thought that was I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> um, but he gets a cool fight scene. He gets some cool moments, and so that was fun. Um, and then um, also uh, Sasha Kaye, who plays Supergirl, was very good. But I also kind of felt they didn't give her enough to do, which yeah, really I, bummed me out. I feel bad because like she was on my mom's. She was on Young and the Restless as a yeah. opera. And I'm like, this this could have been like a big, big, yeah, a big break. Um, but I, <laughs> the Superman thing is just cursed. It yeah. it just it just feels like not all of it is, you know. But like it's just there's so many like, ugh, man. There's like so many like, oh, this could have been good, but then, and it's not like because she's very good. I loved her every second she was on screen. But it, I think it's just the problem was they didn't give her enough to do, and it's like. I feel like part of that had to have been in the process of it. Like maybe they had more for her to do, but then they just never extended it past that or did anything with it. And that kind of, cause I'm sure they, again, same thing had plans for her to be used again later to have another thing. But like now they had to halt everything. And so like, like it's funny. Cause remember all those um, behind the scenes videos of like Michael Keaton in like front of a courthouse and there was like a car and you saw uh, Sasha Kaye like being held on like a heart, like a harness floating down like, like Supergirl. Yeah. That's not in the movie at all. Yeah. <laughs> because that was, I'm sure that was supposed to be the end point, but spoiler alert, they changed the end scene to be like an in joke. So like, um, I'm just gonna spoil the hell of it. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> um, so uh, Barry Allen's father gets acquitted because uh, he's able to go back in time and change just something a little bit. So there's proof that his father didn't kill his kill his mom because that's the whole thing about the Flash's past. Um, and so uh, he's uh, he's going out of the courthouse. Iris West asks him on a date, and he he accepts. And then uh, he sees Bruce Wayne's car, like the one that Ben Affleck drove earlier in the movie. And he's like, oh, Bruce. And then he comes up, and it's George fucking Clooney. Yeah. And you're like, what? Admittedly, I if, if again, I would have thought that was so cool in a different timeline, maybe. Yeah. Because, like, this movie has so much put on its shoulders, had all this baggage, not even just Ezra Miller, which that's a whole thing I'm not going to get into. Um, but the fact that, you know, it didn't feel like it overcame anything or stood out on its own right or gave enough to do for the other aspects of the film outside of, you know, Ezra Miller. So that's probably why they were putting so much like weight on Ezra to be like, listen, Ezra, they're fantastic in the movie. You're not going to think about all that stuff. And I'm like, no, when Ezra is talking about as the flash talking about the the value of human life and saving babies and children i'm immediately thinking of all the shit that uh they're accused of and and like it's hard not to so it it was admittedly like if in a different timeline again you know going with the like time travel metaphor there was probably a point this movie was really good there's the dna of it i think still there cinematography wise i thought it was pretty good 
Um, but at the end of the day, it's just the, the, I guess the saddest part is that for all that it had going against it, it wasn't, it wasn't even able to come close to overcoming it. And so it just made it kind of a pointless experience. And that's not what you want to hear, but it's the truth. At least for me, it is. Right, right. So I don't know. It's just, it's, it sucks. You know, I hope, I hope Aquaman 2 as much turmoil as that's going through doesn't have the same outcome. Yeah. Um, but I guess we'll find out either this or next year, depending on what Warner Brothers wants to do. But that was my experience with with the Flash. But I don't want to talk about it anymore. So <laughs> we're going to talk about uh, some really good stuff. Forty minutes in. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this is definitely um, note to. Uh, Note to reviewing editor Richard, um, <laughs> mar- mark when we start talking about the the uh, the oh artist. yeah, I um, will. It's not going to matter as much for it doesn't matter for for Hugo, but anyway, that part's right. not going to be in this. Um, okay, um, so okay, we had initially planned for this episode to be at a later time, but or an earlier time, but given the subject matter and given that it is my best friend's birthday, uh. It, what better way to ex- what better what, what better way to celebrate than by talking about uh, these two films and celebrating today's topic, which is silent films, the inception of this medium that we're huge fans of. If it wasn't for silent films, we wouldn't be here today. Um, Joey is a huge fan of of these types of movies. He has a whole YouTube channel dedicated to it, um, and he has even thought about bringing that back as a as a podcast so backdoor pilot maybe i don't know yeah this feels like the backdoor (laughs) pilot for that um and it's also exciting too because this first movie we were we had it paired with something else initially and we decided we weren't going to talk about that other thing um pretty much uh but yeah so like none of neither both of these movies i should just say came out in 2011 I think so it's like, kind of a Barbenheimer sort of thing. It's sort of a bar. Yeah, it's actually it, yeah. It's, it, it's an interesting thing because they both came out in 2011, and both of them, in one way or another, deal with the silent film era in different. And, ways. and at least in I believe in the U.S., they both did come out the same day. They came out probably at the very least. They came out roughly around the same time. It you know because I remember with I saw Hugo. Well, it, oops, our second feature. <laughs> first uh because you know like so, like movie releases can be weird especially with oscar movies where like they mm-hmm. get they get they get limited and then they get or they they get festivals they get limited releases then they get wider 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 and then the oscars come out and they get they get big you know that kind of thing um but this first film the first film we're going to talk about today uh is is certainly uh one of the more unique films it's not always looked upon as the best best picture winner uh, in recent memory of the Oscars. Which is I mean, if you're if you're not Joe Denny Dan, maybe if if you're not Joe Denny Dan, like if you're yeah. me, which I am, but <laughs> you are, uh, yeah, it's shocking. But this oh, movie, I thought I was you. Uh, no, sorry, damn, I, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want that burden on you. Um, <laughs> burden, more like pleasure. Oh boy, <laughs> what a <sadist>. Um. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so this is the Michelle Hasnavicious film, The Artist. Ooh. Well, I know I, I was I can't ooh because it's a silent movie. So, jazz hands, title, jazz hands. 
Um, so this movie, a little history of myself, this movie, like I got into silent films when I was in high school. Uh, we, we talked about a few silent films on here. Like how many like, have we done prior to this before? I don't mean to interrupt, but like um, we've only, have we done like four? We haven't we done talk, a lot. Well, change the, the Phantom of the Opera was like the first one we ever talked about. We did Phantom. We did Gold Rush. We did Nosferatu as a special yeah. presentation. Right. Um, think, oh, Caligari. Caligari. So four? Is that it? Four at this point. I would say we need more, but I would also, again, I, we're gonna talk, I, I want to bring back Silent Film Saturday as something. Got to figure that mm-hmm. out. But, uh, but on that note, subscribe to Silent Film Saturday on YouTube to see <laughs> the, some of the old stuff. Some of the old, the old catalog. Uh, terrible videos by me. Um, no, they're not terrible. Joey's adorable. Um, you just look anyway. at his face, you're like... <laughs> I didn't realize Allison was co-hosting this week. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> just you wait. Oh, <laughs> As Lynn manuel says. Jeez oh, Louise. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, again, I, I was re- get, really getting into sound films like in high school, primarily, primarily because of like Lon Chaney... Charlie Chaplin. I was really getting to the Criterion Collection. I was collecting a lot of Kino Lorber because Kino Lorber like has a lot of silent films on disc. I was buying mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of discs at this point. Like a lot of the collection I have behind me, my silent film shelf, I got basically when I was in high school. Um, like I would save up my money working my <laughs> my my job at um, <laughs> Seabrook Village. Uh, you know, senior. It's like a senior residence uh, community. Uh, mm-hmm. I was working there in high, my high school years, um, saving my money through there. Also, when I was working the umbrella stand, one of my summer job, you know, just getting all these movies. Um, it was a time where I was like, yeah, I was really loving sound. I was just, I couldn't get enough of uh, enough of them. And mm-hmm. then my my mom and, and other people I know watch CBS Sunday Morning because there's always like usually something interesting to talk about. Like they're yeah. most notable recently because of the Titan submersible because a few months prior to that disaster happening they did like um do a report on it um so that was that's interesting um timing timing (laughs) but also they did um a special on this little movie that i had not heard of and this was the first i'd ever heard of the movie and like it was a special i sent it to the clip to richard i'll probably put a link to it so you can get a context for where my mindset was at at yeah. this point and it immediately became like my most anticipated movie of all time like it's it's hard for me to like i don't know how there's probably a handful of movies that i've probably been really excited about since this movie but yeah this one really feels like i was like i was like a senior in high school i was like holy shit this is this is gonna be oh, i can't wait for this and <laughs> i ended up seeing it six times in theaters which i've never I remember done you with, telling me this and i've never done this in any other movie I've seen the closest. I've I've seen Force Awakens and Guardians two, um, four times each, and I've seen a number of movies like three times. But what's funny uh, when when you told me that I was like the artist for you was the Dark Knight for me when that came out. I saw that like six times in theaters. I was like I I couldn't get enough of it. Yeah, yes, that's a great movie too. But (laughs) um, but yeah, like this movie, I just could not get it, and it was like it was so strange to me that people were speaking negatively on it. But then it made sense because. This was the Oscar frontrunner for few few things. The Oscar frontrunner. This was this move. This silent movie was going to be mm. the Os- was going to be the Oscar frontrunner. Ended up winning, 
But it was also important to note, distributed in the U.S. by the Weinstein Company, <gasps> uh, which I have to make note of that because yeah. he sucks. But also, but also, it's important to note because there was a period of time where it's like it literally was. Hey, if you want to win the Oscar, you work with your, the Weinstein Company. Work with the Weinstein Company. You know, people thank them in their speeches. You know, there's all this stuff. There's there's compilate. It was it was crazy. There's like compilations now after everything of like so many people saying, "I got to thank Harvey and Bob," and now you watch it and you're like, "Oh!" The way they phrase it, like I would, you're my best friend, and I wouldn't even say these things. It's like he's God. I'm like, "Geez, Louise." (laughs) But whatever, whatever. Like, well, not whatever because what he did was terrible. But. He, yeah, fuck Harvey Weinstein. But that, this is also why I did not tell Richard to buy this movie. We streamed it. We watched it on HBO <laughs> Max or Max. I'm not used to that yet. But the, um, the downside is, I think the last time I bought a, a Weinstein produced movie was when I bought Paddington, because unfortunately the first one is produced by Weinstein. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, this, this, yeah, but. This movie, and it's, it's it's a movie I saw, I saw it six times in theaters. I, of course, pre-ordered the Blu-ray, which I had to wait for. Like, it didn't come out until, like, June of 2012. Oh, wow. You know, so I was wait. I waited many months for this thing to come to disc. Um, and it was, uh, I mean, I, I watched it a bunch of times at home, but, and it's a movie I don't, I don't revisit it as often as people think I would, which is kind of weird. I wa- Last time I watched this was a couple of years ago. Um, well, I mean, and I, you when you discover schlock, I mean that is, <laughs> your 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 time gets taken up. Listen, when I watch schlock, like, listen, I was just watching the Ape Man, and and some other like some other B movies. You know, that's that's, <laughs> he, that's it did it. You know, it won Best Actor at Cannes. You know, it was so it was clear that this was going to be an Oscar movie at some point, um, and you know, it did pretty well for itself. But now let's get to the movie. Um, which is basically the ba- the basic gist of it is like if you've seen a Star Is Born, it's like a Star Is Born, but it has a happy ending, uh, <laughs> more or less. Um, it, de- it chronicles you have um, you have uh, Georges Valentin played by Jean Dujardin, who um, is a really famous movie star, really b- box office sensation, really well liked. Name and a name movie star in the silent era, a ma- major in the silent era in the in, in this movie's universe, and then he he crosses he sort of runs into super fan Pepe Miller, Pepe, Pepe played by Berenice Bijou, who also happens to be the uh, director Michelle Hasnavicius's wife in real life, um, and she's a super fan. She meets him, and then she decides. That she is going to be an actress, and she, she she climbs up, and it gets to a point where she's a big star, and then talkies and talkies happen. She's sensational in talkies, and George, uh, uh, George does not think talkies are are the future, and that bites him. And then also just his ego and and pride, and he's mm-hmm. just like he falls on hard times. The Great Depression happens. And you know the movie. The movie ends. You know, sort of. She helps like re- resuscitate his career, and you know, yeah, th- yeah. that's the movie. <laughs> so I, I did a lot. I, I, did a, I did a lot of talking. Um, so yeah, sorry. I, I, I was. I got food and I left. No, so no, no. That's my, no, it's okay. 
I want to hear from you on this because I I don't want to say you're, you're averse to silent films, but it's not exactly something that is your like natural and, you know, movie environment. It, it, uh, it's a patience thing. Yeah. But I even, I even uh, attribute that to just like any movie really. Like I'm an antsy person. I've, I've, I've learned patience in my life, but like at the same time, you know, that doesn't change the fact that like my foot will start tapping or I'll just be like, you know, getting tired or something, but I, I have issues with patience. I blame ADHD. And so silent films feel like sort of a, a natural antithesis to that. So like as much as, you know, I've, you know, enjoyed the silent films that I've seen, um, at the end of the day, it's like, it really is a matter of like, like I have to watch them in pieces in order to really, really get them in. And so, it is kind of a bummer, but it doesn't mean I don't like them or anything. It's just that's the main thing. And I know you know this because when we were watching it, I, I can already immediately tell, like, you were so nervous. <laughs> I was super <laughs> <laughs> Um, And I because, like, I was always really curious about it because I remember when it came out, um, and hearing that it won, I think it was one of those few times where like it winning the best picture made me curious to watch it. Whereas every other time, like I try not to, I try not to be pessimist about movies at all. So I'm never, I'm never trying to be one of those people that's like, oh, this one best picture, blah, 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 blah. Unless, you know, like your boyhood and you were nominated or <laughs> like, <"Ugh."> um, <laughs> I do like Richard Linklater movies, but that is not one of them. Um, <laughs> sorry anyone listening um not really but i was really curious about this one i thought it was kind of cool like a modern day silent film <laughs> joey's still thinking about the boyhood thing <laughs> he is a boyhood fan he's the only one i i mean my apology to sort of um no. <laughs> no, no. Don't. Whatever. <laughs> uh, it's your birthday. I'll mean it this time. Alright, thank you. <laughs> That's your gift is I, I mean my apology. So I was always, I was still always really curious about the artist and it came out around that time that I was also like getting curious about silent films and, and you know all the different options that were out there and the kinds of movies that came out. Especially because there were so many movies that I loved. Like there's a thing too, is like when you watch any kind of movie these days, you know, especially by someone made by someone who loves movies, guaranteed you're going to find some connection to something in the past. You know, like, you know, I grew up being a huge Batman fan and, you know, the whole ending of the movie happening at a cathedral is a reference to Metropolis. Or like, um, uh, the crow has a lot of like, uh, Caligari aspects to it, which is why we paired the two together. Um, I also want to do, like, on that note, I thought it would be cool to do, like, a uh, a follow-up episode of that where we pair another Alex Proyas film, uh, Dark City, with Metropolis, because Dark City is, like, that wouldn't exist without Metropolis. Ooh, that would, that would be fun. Um, and it's, like, the only other Alex Proyas movie I would, like, actively want to show on this <laughs> Gods of Egypt, maybe not, but Dark City for sure. Um, but I just, the thing is, I just never got around to watching it. And of course, which is a surprise because I mean, you know we've been friends for a very long time, and so the fact that we never got around to it—I <laughs> mean, 
but you were you were more focused on showing me Citizen Kane, really, because you were like, "What the fuck? You haven't watched that, that, that yet? one?" Just that one, like, like it's probably a toxic trait of mine. But that just felt like <laughs> such a that just felt such a like a whoa kind of blind spot to me. <laughs> like, really? Uh, like, you haven't oh. seen? Uh, but honestly, yes. That 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 was a um, that was one of those things where I'm just like. You know, where it's it is weird that we're like we've been friends this long and it's like we didn't watch the artist. <laughs> we haven't watched the artist yet, um, but uh, we finally got around to it. Joey being so fucking nervous, and I felt very. I've known that feel I know that feeling very well. Um, and I'm watching it, and I'm genuinely engaged with it. Like I'm I I'm enjoying the narrative. There's a few. There was a few parts that were a bit slower that I'm like I was kind of checked out a little bit, but it didn't. It didn't make me like less excited by what by what I was seeing, and um, because it it made me think of uh, singing in the rain a little bit, because it's kind of that similar. It's about that similar thing in the transition uh, between one era of Hollywood to another, and. I'm I'm sitting there and I'm watching it and you know I'm like John Goodman's there and I love John Goodman, freaking Pepe Miller, I love Pepe Miller, I love her so much, she's the best. The dog, Uggy, Uggy, Uggy the dog, he's the best. I love Uggy the dog. Um, George was cool too. <laughs> you know, George is pretty cool. Um. I liked. Uh, it was definitely interesting to see like a modern day interpretation of a silent movie. Like it, uh, the, like there was times like where I was watching it and you know because how do I explain this? It's like the, the the strange thing about like silent movies is that they're made the way they are given, with the technology that they have because that's what that's how they made them. And so it's always it's always interesting to see modern day filmmakers try to emulate old styles, but like using modern technology so like i'm watching this and the whole time i'm thinking are they using digital cameras are they shooting on film uh apparently i think from what i read on imdb they shot on film i'm not entirely sure it did look digital at times but it i mean i could be completely wrong it is my first time watching it um but at the end of the day i was i was genuinely engaged with it like you know the idea of and I think especially now it helps too because we're older and we're kind of dealing with like because we're millennials we're at that time period where we're in the change now like we're not we're not necessarily old but we're definitely not young so we're like right yeah. in the middle mm-hmm. and you know I work with a bunch of seventeen year olds and eighteen year olds at my work and so like I'm learning about like I I found out what the word riz means the other day <laughs> I'm like oh okay. So, like, when someone's got Riz, they got game. So, like, back in our day, we just say, oh, this guy's got game. All right. Like, now it's like, this guy's got Riz. <laughs> so, I kind of related to that aspect of, like, you know, the the, the, the just the, the change in time. And that's, you know, what the, this movie really felt like to me. Um, and instead of this guy just, like, ending his life being a traditionalist he chose to move forward and being like yeah you know what this let's give it a try and so i liked at the very end of the movie like they were starting to talk and stuff and i thought that was really cool yeah so Um, it's it's a it's it's kind of got that like progressive feeling to it which i liked uh but going back to like because is it's most it's a mostly silent movie uh because obviously but because obviously 
no movie is truly silent because they had music back in the day. And Ludovic uh, Borsch, um, I'll make note of the pronunciation. That's the one name I don't know. Um, but I'll say that with, with his score is amazing. It's most of the music in the movie, though there are a handful of um, songs and bits of music that are not original to the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. One of which was like the, the love theme from Vertigo, which that was a slight controversy back in like 2011, 2012. Um, you know, and it was interesting because at that point I had never seen Vertigo. So I, I didn't even, I didn't have that, like that reference point yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but the music is really great though. It does, a, it does a great job of capturing the characters and, and the mood. Um, like it's, it's just so great. Um, I, here's a, here's a question I have for you. I'm sorry. Um, I, I cut you off way too much. I, I always get so self-aware of it when I do it. Um, when you watch Vertigo for the first time, you might have said this to me, but I don't remember. When you watch Vertigo for the first time, were you immediately like, the artist? Well, because I, I already knew. I knew about it because, like, I knew that was the contra- – I knew about the controversy because I was, like, researching so much about this movie. And it was, like, one of those things I already knew. And it's, like, the love th- – like, Bernard Herrmann, like, his score in Vertigo is one of the best movie scores of all time. And that love that love theme is so beautiful and haunting. It, and it I, makes it it makes me think of um, I can't I do it again. Uh, it makes me think of um, in Scream when they use the Broken Arrow theme for Dewey and Gale's love theme, and then now that's just their love theme. And like I've never seen Broken Arrow, but I know the moment I do, I'm going to be like Dewey and Gale, <laughs> Dewey and uh, Gale, but. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's a great piece of music. I think it's used well here, but it, it would have been I, I, it would have been nice to have them use maybe Michelle Hasnovich is a Hitchcock fan and he wanted to use that bit of music, um, you know. So I can't. It, it's it, it it's in the movie, so I, I'm not like you know broken right. up by it. But I also speaking of sound, I really love the dream sequence. Yeah, that's in sound. Um, I'm sure you liked. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, oh, he's waking up now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my that was my my thought. But it's also like a really nice moment uh, in the movie that it sort of plays at your expectations of the movie because up to this point you've just been hearing music, mm-hmm. and then it's like oh, and then suddenly you're just like oh boy, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> it, it 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 stands out for that reason too. But I think also it stands out because sound as a tool can be used really well like i think of like in horror movies going back to that and uh how they use sound to sort of like either literally sound or no sound at all to build tension and so it's kind of like the opposite of that where they build tension by using sound and it's not and it's all and it's all these different kinds of sounds but it's almost like uh george has never heard these before and so he's like what <laughs> what and then like more sounds start happening he's like what huh <laughs> so it's like he's getting really disoriented so it was a really like clever uh way to use sound and then like uh the fact that he couldn't talk either like it it it, it became like it's a dream sequence but it became very meta you know what i mean it's like i'm i'm stuck in silence when everything else around me is talking and making noise now and it's 
and that that scare that's kind of frightening when you really think about it. Like it's that, that's a horror scene. <laughs> that's a that's a nightmare. It, it also it also made me think of um, you haven't seen this movie yet, but Modern Times by Chaplin, yeah. which is is sort of a, an in between movie where it's it's mostly silent, but it it plays with sound in really interesting ways. Um, like in one of the factory scenes, like. You know, a lot of it is just the music, like, da, 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 da. and then, like, he's in the break, he's in, like, a break room or something, and then, like, a screen comes on, and his boss starts yelling at him, like, and you can hear the boss. It's not like it's, like, a title card, but he's talking, but when you see the boss in person, he's not, you don't hear him, you, you see him as, it's, like, a title card thing, so it's, it plays the, in that way. Um, but also, like, too, like, with the silent movie, like, the visuals, like, the music and the visuals gotta be great, and the vis- the visual component is great, and I... It's in the four three aspect rate. It's in the old school, you know, mo- you know, which <laughs> there hadn't been a movie that won uh, best picture in that aspect ratio in like decades. It was like since like the fifties, um, mm-hmm. and then like it was also like the only black and white movie to win like to win best picture since like the sixties or something, you know. So it's, it has. <laughs> Didn't they say like the last silent film or like Wings or whatever the first one was Wing- awesome? Wings is the only silent film to win Best Picture. Or like, the only true silent film to win Best Picture. And The Artist is, like, the only other one that you could really say, you know, is close to silence. Um, but, again, like, the visual component, like, you can, like, close-ups are really great in this aspect ratio. And I was thinking about this, too, when I watched Oppenheimer, because it's the full the full IMAX. So you really get the full, like, the full, like, sort of square effect of seeing Gillian Murphy's face blown up on a giant <laughs> screen. You know, that, like, like that shit's really effective. You know, I was thinking about, about this too with, like, you know, with, with the close-up of, of George and, and Peppy in the movie. It's, and also too, because there's not really any sound effects, you're really just left focusing and really dwelling on the image in a way that I don't think you would with, like, a sound film. Like, um, uh, like, like, the, like the scenes of, like, like George, like, you know, destroying his film uh, is one thing I remember, or like the, where they're in the staircase that's in like Blade Runner, and mm. you you see her, she's above him on the stairs, he's down below, and it's <laughs> you know like you're like okay, I'm, I'm I know what this means, and uh, there's that, but also the acting is so good in this movie. Um, Jean Dujardin obviously won the Oscar for for um, lead actor in this movie, and. He's he's great because he looks like an old school like movie star. Like, he looked got... a lot like Gene Kelly to me. And what's also funny, he has a slight resemblance to Sean Connery, and his first his earlier collaboration with Michelle Hosnavicious was on a James Bond spoof movie, OSS One Seventeen, <laughs> um, which also has Bernice Bijou in the movie. Uh, Pepe. Fun movie. And Veronese Bijou, I realize she really is the key to this movie working, honestly. Um really what a what a, what a terrific um performance. I fell in love with her immediately. Like, no question. She's you know, when you first meet her, it's you know, there's that like little stumble scene and and it's like, Oh, hey, it's this girl, you know, this cool, hey, this cool moment. And then she goes in to be an extra for one of his movies, and then he's just distracted the whole time. It's like, even though he's married, and he's a big movie star, 
he's very distracted. <laughs> very, <laughs> very, very, dis- very distracted. He's trying to be like very serious, and then he's overcompensating, like being serious. Like takes later. He's like <laughs> his eyebrow is only so much far as like eyebrow can like go up. Uh, <laughs> and I love uh, that. that oh, so I love good. that also comes back when like she finds the one piece of film that he saved. Is that was that were those outtakes? Mm-hmm. That, 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 those scenes um and it's like quite, yeah it's like um uh those bits uh in that moment too it's like because there was that scene there's that bit when he first sees like her legs yes and my third my first thought's like oh no george don't be that person <laughs> no george george stop it but then he starts dancing and then he realizes it's her and he's like oh hey and then uh you know, John Goodman's like, get her off set. She can't. She can't be on set. George. George's like, no, no, no. It's fine. Keep her there. And so, like, on, like, on, a, on, like, on a certain extent, it's like, you know, he gave, he, like, he, like, helped her get, like, her first job in a way. And so that when, you know, time, time went on, and uh, you know, his star faded and her star shined, um, she's like, I'm gonna get him a job. And he's he's initially like, I can't. It's talkies. She's like, No, 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 no. It's all good. We could do this. Or like he, I think also part of it is just his own pride, like his own like his own like you know oh, I can't you know I feel so like helpless. Um, and then there's the suicide bit, the 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 suicide the attempt. Yeah, we should make note of that. Um, that was I was at the edge of my seat. And I was like, please, God, don't have this movie end like this. When the title card bang shows up, you're immediately like, ah! <laughs> but then you realize it's just Peppy's car. You're like, God damn it. <laughs> Peppy's car. Um, it's just again, like Gold U- Rush. <laughs> Uggy's the best dog, though. Like, Uggy, like, trying to save. Listen. The scene when he's, like, burning everything. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm gonna say this right now. Uggy is Milo status, and if you if you listen to our mask episode, you know what I'm talking about. Uggy is Milo good. That's the biggest compliment I could give any movie dog. If you're Milo good, you're pretty you're, you're pretty damn good. Um, there's a, there's so many other like bits. I love the scene where like Goodman is showing George, um, like this a sound test. And it's just like a very creepy haunting, like haunting bit of music. Um, like it, it's just it, it was just there's so many like bit bits where it, it's it's just like visually it's so cool and the music pairs really well with it. And it was just it was just nice to rewatch this again because I'm like yeah this is still this is still pretty great it's still pretty great um, movie. But going back to Berenice Bijot. I just think she's obviously very beautiful, but also it's like she's got it's got like that like a pep, like a like a sort of like spunk. I always remember the one one of the things that always pops on my mind is is when is the the piece of music always lingers is when she's like testing out as an extra. It's like mm. very sort of like whim, very hot up up upbeat and like sort of slightly whimsical. She's mm. like on the trolley car or whatever, and she's like she's like it's almost like like she's like almost like a Titanic like King of the World kind of moment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, like I, I like when she's like I'm Peppy Miller. Remember yes. that name. Yes. And then Malcolm <laughs> McDowell is just there. <laughs> he's listen, 
Malcolm McDowell's having a good time. <laughs> He's like, oh, thank goodness Kubrick's not telling me I gotta beat somebody up. Great. This is a good day. I'm already having a much better experience here. You know, the other thing I was realizing, too, is that obviously there's a point where George makes his movie Tears of Love or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I didn't think about it when I sort of saw it. I'm like, he made a sad ending in his own movie. <laughs> <laughs> And He's making this, like, adventure, romance, like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, holy moly. Uh, I mean, it makes sense given, because like, it, it, it ties in with, like, okay, the movie's not is not doing very well, and it's sort of, like, you know, parallels his life as, like, a, but, but like, if you look at in the movie, it's like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my God, this is, this is, this is, wow. And it's like, I, I never really liked the title, The Artist, but it's, that's one of the, one of the, um... The, th- the moments where I think, like, it, it, it's sort of applicable. Because it's, like, he's not just, like, because that scene, it shows that he's not just a movie, like, a movie star. He was somebody who really, like, he believed in this project that he was trying to make. And, like, he, wa- he you know, if you just wanted to make a vanity thing, it'd be, oh, yeah, I lived. And, you know, I got out of the quicksand. It's like, no. <laughs> he dies. He dies the- in the movie. And it just ends that way. Watching Peppy Miller watch the movie, you're just like... Just how devastated she was. Yes, yes. But then, she, but then she went to his house and she's like, I "Saw your movie. <laughs> Are you okay?" <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it this is this is a really really delightful movie. Um, you know, I, I've seen John Dujardin in a few other things. Like Mon- he was in Monuments Men. I think he mm-hmm. was in. I think he was in... He's in Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Wow. I've, I actually, like, I, I was so obsessed with this movie, I was, like, getting movies imported of his that were not the artist. It was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to watch. <laughs> like, there's a couple of movies I watch of his where I'm like, oh, my gosh. I had the, I got this dumb blockbuster exclusive disc that it was it was bad. <laughs> you, were, you, were, you were saying. I want to... Let's talk about the most shocking thing about this experience. You know what I'm talking about? The fact that you enjoyed it. <laughs> when I posted on Letterboxd and you were like, what? <laughs> I, I was I was flabbergasted. Because I was expecting three stars generously. Generous three stars? Well, okay. So, like, one thing... This is something I do want to talk about for a brief moment before we, like, get to the wrap-up. But, uh... Um, so, whatever... I, I guarantee you, you know, Joey does the same as I do, but like obviously we like to show each other things on here. And while we're watching them, most of the time we're watching the other person watch the movie to see if they're like engaging with it at all. <laughs> and <laughs> guarantee like like I'll show Joe I show Joey the mask and I'm like uh, uh? <laughs> So I wanna know like on your perspective, you clearly watching me watch the movie, like I want to know like where your where your brain was going with that like like where at times you were like okay oh <laughs> I, I, I think Peppy helped out a lot you know <laughs> Pe- I did Peppy scream helped. Peppy a lot <laughs> and then obviously when when there's the pivotal like the bang title card happens you know like that that's really where I was like okay maybe <laughs> maybe we're <laughs> maybe we're in a good water here. You know, um, and then when they get to the sound sequence where the, the dance scene at the end and John Goodman is talking, I'm like, oh, yeah, they might get rid of this point. 
you audibly said something. You're like, finally! <laughs> Richard's been waiting for this moment the whole time! <laughs> and then you see that four and a half star out of five review on Letterboxd, and you're like, I didn't think it was going to get him that good. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. Because if it's like four and a half stars, I'm, I'm like, that that's really like... <laughs> Because, like, because that's the other thing, too, like, because I remember talking about this movie and to people, and they're like, yeah, but it's a silent movie. You know? So? Cause, but, but that, but that's the thing, people, like, you know, because it's, it's that, it's that, that barrier, you know? Yeah. It's like, listen, that's my, it's that's like, my response to them, so. It's, it's like subtitles. It's like, you gotta get over, you, you gotta get over that <laughs> at a certain point, otherwise you're like, limiting yourself. Like, come on, like. A movie's a movie's a movie. Just like just because it's from a different time or a different era doesn't make it I mean I mean, you know, it changes some things depending on, you know, how times change, but like it doesn't you know you could still watch something like Metropolis or watch something like uh like you know, Joey's a big fan of the opera guy, like you can still watch those movies and be like, Yeah and get something out of it. Get some mm-hmm. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm sitting and watching this movie, and I'm like genuinely engaged with it. I think, like, I'm like, oh, this is like, I'm, in, I'm interested in the story. Like, I, I love like the montage of like George, um, learning to make a movie. Like, like, well, not learning, but like making his own movie. And like, I like the dream sequence, and Peppy is the fucking best. Um, <laughs> uh, I loved um, James Cromwell as Clifton. Oh, um, <laughs> yes. it was great. Um. Obviously, I, I love John Goodman. I'm a big John Goodman fan, and um, love seeing him here. And like his expressions were so like made for this kind of movie. <laughs> like, 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 like he he could exaggerate his face really well. Um, and so like I'm sitting here and I'm engaging with it, and then like Joey periodically make comments like it's finally like or like it got Richard this time or like like is he in, is he into it? And I'm like he's not looking at me right now, is he? <laughs> Or like the one time, like I yawned, and he's like, "Are you all right?" <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Oh boy." <laughs> it was because it was late. I think when we watched it, it, it was yes, and that was that was my own fault. But no, like yeah, it was it was late. But um, no, I was still into it. I was into it the whole time. I was definitely into Pepe. Yeah, Pepe. I was definitely I was definitely into Pepe. I was into Uggy. Um, George was cool too. <laughs> yeah. but no i had a really good time with this one so if it ever did get like a like a key lore kino lorber like 4k release or something or like a some kind of release down the line i'd get it it would be cool to see it because it i don't think it has it's had like a a a new release since 2012 or anything substantial anyway um because like again again it's it was the best picture winner but I know when, when people talk about Best Picture winners, it's not one of the ones that people look favor- favorably to. No. Because, um, it's cause, because again, people are like, oh my god, it's a, it's a, ho- it's a movie about Hollywood. Of course it's going to do that. Yeah. And it's... It's it's that it's that unfortunate best picture hurdle. I feel like that every I think all of, I think for the most part a lot of them really go through it too. That's not to say that they don't deserve the win for Best Picture. Yeah. But it's that it's that aspect of you know, oh, this was Oscar bait, or oh, this is like about Hollywood, so of course it's gonna win, or this or that. Like, there's definitely like, I remember when I was uh, 
when I first started watching the Oscars and like, you know, they, you know, award best picture. And it's like, sometimes I would have like some skin in the game. Like there's a movie that I love that would be nominated and it didn't win. I'm like, ah, shoot. Yeah. Um, but then like last, then like the last couple of years in the 2010s, like I was a huge fan of Birdman. I still am. I love that movie. It won best picture. I'm like, holy shit. (laughs) Right. Right. Wait, what? Um, shape of fucking water. Like, you know, that, the fact that that won Best Picture, uh, Parasite, like, Parasite, I feel like is one of the one, like, is like universally agreed upon as like, this is where they really got it right. Yeah. Like that. It's like, then there's like Green Book. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I see. Uh, (laughs) Um, yeah. Yeah, I like Mahershala Ali though. Just in general, <laughs> at the end of the day, the awards are not the important. It's like, it, it, no. The important thing is if you like the movie, and yeah. this is still a movie I really adore. Uh, I'm glad you, you got it. Yeah, you got it. Sorry, just to like to reiterate that it's like you got to get over that like oh it won Best Picture hurdle and just watch the movie for the movie. It's like when like Titan. I, I saw people talk about like Titanic. Like oh this movie made two billion dollars. And it's yeah. like, you know, is it $2 billion good? It's like, well, somebody thought so, because they... <laughs> like, I mean, like, like money talks a little bit. Uh, m- money, money, they spoke with their wallets, and clearly, you know, they have spoken. <laughs> they, have spoken. <laughs> like, they literally just pull a wallet out. I liked it! <laughs> this was a good movie! Here's a 20! Thank you! <laughs> but again, yeah, it's like one of those things where it's like, oh, that, it made that much money. It's like, it has that, like, stigma or association with it. Yeah. Or if it's like, oh, this is considered one of the greatest, or like Citizen Kane, this is considered the greatest movie of all time. Oh, that, like, one's, gonna, that one's gonna have that stigma for the rest of its life, too, and that sucks. It, it's gonna we have talked about that. Of, we did talk about that. It was a great ep- that was a great episode. Um, But, yeah. So the artist is, is pretty great. Now, because I don't think we have really have anything else to say about the artist. Um, you know, I mean, we'll, well, there's many things to say about the movie, but you know, we got other things to do. We got other <laughs> things to talk about. So we're gonna, yeah. we're, we're gonna take a we're gonna take a quick break, um, and when we come back, um, we're gonna we're not gonna take a trip to the moon. We're gonna we're gonna go to a train station in Paris and talk Ooh. about the moon. The moon. The moon. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> Now, hello, everyone. Welcome back to this wonderful new podcast, uh, uh, Two Dudes, One Double Feature. And I am, uh, oh, God, I, the, the co-host fell over a little bit over here. It's okay. Um, he was he was just surprised that Marty Scorsese is here to talk about this next film. Um, <laughs> uh, where Where's Richard? Uh, uh, well, see, I, I told him that he could have a, a small pot in my next picture. And he said, oh, boy. And he ran away screaming and jumping. And uh, I assume that meant yes. So he's going to be in the film. Um, uh, we're filming it right now. Um, so just uh, I'm not, you know, I only, only I can talk about the promotion right now. So it's, on, it's just me. We're not having any of the actors there. Um, you know, respect, respect. But uh, we're going to talk about this other picture I made, this old picture. 
<laughs> just seeing how long Joey lets me do that. <laughs> Man, you you really like derailing things. Yeah, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm always okay with it. <laughs> yes, welcome back. Uh, this is Marty Scorsese. <laughs> no, it's Richard. It's not Marty. You were probably really convinced, though, for sure. I mean, you had me convinced for a second, and I can see you on my camera. Like, if there was, if this was a video, you'd be like, oh, it's just him doing an impression. But since it's not, you're like, holy shit, they got Martin Scorsese. <laughs> How did you get Marty? <laughs> Even Todd Phillips couldn't get Marty. <laughs> yes. But anyway. Welcome. Anyway. Welcome yes. back to the show, everybody. Um, so... <laughs> This is the, just to reiterate, this is the birthday episode for Joe Denny Dan. And what better way to celebrate the birthday boy than with one of his favorite kinds of movies, silent films. Or at least the subject of silent films. Right. In the last half, we talked about The Artist, uh, 2011 Best Picture winner. Or one, tw- uh, 2012 was the Oscars it won, but like, it's a 2011 it, movie. It, it's yeah. 2011, yeah, it's weird. But, yeah, it's yeah. always weird. But uh, no, the artist, uh, very good movie. Uh, and I'm gonna say that all the time just to shock Joey, even though because he shock him only because he knows it's the truth <laughs> that I mean what I say that I really liked it. <laughs> Whereas before he's like, he's gonna hate it. I just know it. Oh god. Is, oh god. This is this is gonna be bad. <laughs> and then it didn't turn out to be bad. So that's nice that's very nice um but no now we're going to talk about a movie that is a celebration of the silent era uh more specifically a celebration to of film preservation yeah which is so fucking important especially right now in the streaming era and you know studios are having this ability to just yank shit off of the streaming services and it's like well we can't watch it in any capacity now yeah um, so this movie is very much a champion of the preservation world. Um, Joe Dini Dan. Also, sorry. Also, this is our very first Martin Scorsese movie, which is wild. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird because it's like, I feel like, I don't know what your favorite Marty movie is, but for me, it's like, the, we would have already talked about the Irishman, like, episode two. <laughs> <laughs> that honestly i'd have to think about what my favorite one is but we'll talk about that um yeah. but uh no uh this is a, this in retrospect though this feels like it makes sense it would be the first one i think yes given yeah. given its subject matter and you know the kind of the kind of movie that it is jodini dan what is our first picture today it's um it's it's the film now it's it's commonly referred to as Hugo, but actually <laughs> it's Hugo. Hugo. Actually, folks, it is it's Hugo. But we we had a weird <laughs> running gag Hugo. of Hugo, which very strange. You know but, what, Joey? You deserve one of these. A hug. A he, hug. Richard's holding up the uh, Hugo. Uh, arrow disc and he he's covering up the letter o and it just says hug you deserve uh, 
Uh-huh. It just says a Martin Scorsese. It, it, you covered up picture as well, so it just says a Martin, a hug, a Martin Scorsese. Now it's just hug. <laughs> you deserve one of those. Uh, thank you, thank you. Likewise, um, happy birthday, hug to Joey. <laughs> this the the face he just made. Yes, uh, Hugo, 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 Hugo. Because it's, and this this might be. I think I think it is at least as far as like because I know he's done documentaries, but like as far as like his like narrative features, I think this is his only PG movie, or this like is, one of his only PG movies. This is like the closest he's come to making like a kids movie. Yeah, which is what because like Mar- What I love about Martin Scorsese is that yeah, he is kind of known for like a specific kind of movie, like like Goodfellas or Casino or Taxi Driver, like these movies about these like off the beaten path characters that are either like criminals or vigilantes or whatever. Like, you know, when people, people think of Marty, they think of like all those kinds of movies. But what I like about him too, is that he, he is very versatile. I think, mm-hmm. I think like, cause like he's made, cause like he'll make like a, like a good fellas, but then he'll make like a Cape fear or he'll make like a shutter Island or, you know, he'll make, uh, like, Last... Was it Last Temptation of Christ? Isn't that what he did? Yep. Mm-hmm. Like... Or that Silence movie. I was thinking about that, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like, for every Wolf of Wall Street, there's a... <laughs> there's something else, and that's what I've always liked about Marty, is that... I like I love when Marty, like, really leans into, like, the genres he's working in. Um, and he's, like... He he clearly like I mean he is the he is the 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 almighty like grandfather of cinema it feels like you know like he's you know he's got such a love for it he's got such a passion for it you know he's a historian you know he's in that same ballpark as like Edgar Wright or Tarantino but he's like miles ahead <laughs> well I mean like he literally has like in the Criterion collections like the Martin Scorsese World Cinema Project yeah it's like these different movies from around the world um. You know, so he he is very much somebody like, you know, who is who is trying to preserve cinema, and this this story definitely feels very close to home for him in that uh, respect. I think it should also be noted too that this was based on a book, The Invention by, of Hugo Cabret, I believe. By yes, yes by Brian Selznick. Um, yes, The Invention of Hugo Cabret, um, and this. You know, the, the basic gist of it, there is a little orphan b- b- boy. Bruce uh, Wayne. Yes. No. <laughs> um. <laughs> what is an orphan? It's a bunch of kids to one room. <laughs> it's it's uh, rats gnawing at the children's legs. And it's <laughs> it's uh, it's because it's so cold. No, that's not it. That's an orphan. Not what Bruce Wayne is. Sorry. That's why it referenced to. Paul Dano as the Riddler. Um, but <laughs> yes. Just to, so just to stop and just to continue was really funny. <laughs> but not even acknowledging the, the weirdness was really funny. So Hugo is this boy who works. You know he work he works on the clock. Uh, in in the in this train station, all okay. the clocks, all the clocks. Thank you. Um, and. He is obviously, as we as we just said, he's he's not Batman. He's an orphan. Um, <laughs> he's not Batman. He's an orphan. <laughs> take um, that. <laughs> take that, Bruce. 
Oops. Oops, did I? Oh, Joey, all the Batman fans are going to come after you. <laughs> what fan? <laughs> listen, listen. Our fan, our fan base is near zero. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we say you know that's what? why we say dumb shit all the time we say near zero and then i'm like and then to quote matt damon in that scene zero would be nice <laughs> um but he's wor- he's working on all the clocks right and but he also is he has this automaton uh that his dad left behind and he's trying to he's trying to repair it because it's like the last like sort of connection he has with his dad and he he steals bits and pieces whenever he can, but he steals from this this uh, elderly man at this toy shop, this mysterious elderly man at a toy shop, and um, eventually he gets caught and uh, steals Hugo's notebook. And Hugo's notebook ha- is actually, I believe, it's his dad's notebook. So that's like the other little piece that he that he has, like all of his dad's notes and how to fix things. And so, uh, Hugo, uh, now is like just trying to get his notebook back from this, this crotchety old man working at the toy shop while also not getting caught by the guy that works at the, 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 the security dude at the train station. Um, and, uh, this eventually leads to him meeting, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz character whose name escapes me at the moment. Uh, her character's name is Isabel. Isabel, yes. Also, Hugo is played by uh, I think Asa Butterfield is how he pronounces his Asa name. Butterfield. Asa yes. Butterfield. Oh, it's also pronounced Bruce Wayne, but it's also pronounced that kid from uh, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. <laughs> Listen, you knew there was going to be a whole section dedicated to this because of how funny I find it. <laughs> you know Again. what? For your birthday, I'll save it till later. <laughs> so yeah, he, meets, he, meets, he meets Isabel. Listen, this, listen. Ben Kingsley is the crotchety old man. Sir Ben Kingsley is is the is the old man at this at the station. Literally Ben Kingsley to the point where his Oscar from Gandhi is on the counter for this toy shop. It's not anybody else. It's Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley as a time traveler. Uh, Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley from Prince of Persia. Ben Kingsley from that one uh, Nazi movie, I think, that had Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac was trying to kill him or some shit. Or somebody was trying to kill him. I forget the name of the movie, but he's no also idea. Trevor. Ole, 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 ole. <laughs> and he talked about how he saw Planet of the Apes and how it changed his life. Uh, same. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Trevor Slattery, Joey's favorite MCU character. The the best. Truly the best. Um, so, anyway, th- this this old man, is he seems so bitter. And he's like the... Like get it seems like the get off my lawn kind of guy, but he seems like particularly pissed off about this note about this notebook, and he tests like um, Hugo's abilities with like you know repairing things and stuff because he wants to see is he is this kid the real deal? Does he mean to do this, or is or he, he just is, a is little just... dirty thief? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it turned you know Hugo's pretty good with this stuff. You know, he is um, his father's son. He is his father's son. 
Yes. Which is not not the son of Thomas Wayne. Though, <laughs> um, so could you imagine Jude Law as Thomas Wayne? That would be a hot. That would be a hot Thomas Wayne. Not that we haven't had a hot Thomas Wayne before. We've had some hot Thomas Waynes. Let me tell you. Yes. So I'm looking at you, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Damn. <laughs> yes. But, but um, you know, so he so he's he's repairing stuff and figuring it out, and you know, he goes to the movies sometimes. That's and... the big thing is that he's a big a movie fan because when he yes. and when he and Isabel start hanging out, um, uh, she's telling him about how she loves to read books and she's reading like Robin Hood. And she goes to the bookshop at the train station that's uh, run by uh, Christopher Lee's character. And um, Hugo starts telling her about how he saw the there's a Robin Hood movie, I believe, with Douglas Fairbanks, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, Isabel's like, I've never seen a movie. Uh, uh, Papa, the, you know, the crotchety old Ben Kingsley, uh, <laughs> uh, who is um, the, uh, I guess, grandfather or like adopted grandfather of... He's, he's, he's like their god. He's got god. God. Godparent. Godparent. God yeah, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, she's like, yeah, uh, Papa doesn't ever let us watch movies. He doesn't. He's very strict about it. And Hugo's like, oh, well, you have to watch a movie. You gotta watch a movie. Like, dude, dude, dude. <laughs> you got like he said. This is verbatim what he says. Dude, you got to watch that fucking thing. You got to watch that movie. <laughs> You know, he's a PG actually, movie. Actually, like, he grows up to be Randy from the script. <laughs> There's a formula to it. A very simple formula. Everybody's a suspect. Including the crotchety old toy maker. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, but what's also, but I, I think the most mind-blowing thing in this movie like this this was was this is this the moment you're talking about where like you were like holy shit right so this moment up to this moment we just think oh he's a crotchety old man but there's something up there's 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 something interesting about this guy and then right so they get the automaton spoiler they get the automaton to like work especially especially because isabel has a key because there was because because there was one component about the automaton that um, always eluded Hugo and his dad because while they could fix it, they couldn't run it without this like heart-shaped key. Right. Turns out Isabel's got a little charm hanging off her neck, and it's a key with a little heart shape on it. So, reluctantly, Hugo's like, come with me, and they put it into the automaton. It fits perfectly. They turn it on, and as Joey was saying... It starts to draw. It starts to draw, and it eventually draws um, a moon with a, ro- a man, like the man of the like the classic like you know moon with a face, and then a, a rocket pierces its eye. Which, for those of you who have you know known movies, yeah. is 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 you know the trip to the moon. Uh, and it says it says Georges uh, Méliès. I think He's, is, is the signs the. Signs the name, yep. yeah, mm-hmm. and so it signs George Miliez, and Isabel goes, "That's Papa's name. That's Papa George's name." So it's like that. That moment, a young Joey's like, "That's George fuck 
fucking Billy. Yes. Because I didn't know. Because at this point, context, I didn't know much about this movie going in. I don't even think I watched any of the trailers. It just which like another that that's what I was so curious about when we watched this. Is like you had context going into it, and that's why you were probably excited about it. And then you told me you didn't, and I'm like, that makes it so much better. <laughs> it, I had no context when yeah. I saw this, and I, and I was flipping out in my seat, and my friends were like, "Dude, are you okay?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Calm I'll down." Explain after them, I'll explain after them. This is, this is, this is, put put your soda down jesus <laughs> um so like it, it, it that happens um and eventually they they dis- do they discover the um the pictures and stuff for like the like all the, like his sketches yeah so for, like, yeah so they go back um to like the apartment that george and his uh george millias and his wife live Jean, in mama jean um is she is she I, is she based on a real person too? She's a real person who like it, it was George George Melier's mistress, and then eventually she became his wife. Ah, okay. They don't they don't uh, put that in this PG kids movie. Listen, you can't <laughs> you can't do there's that. There's only so uh, um, Helen uh, late great Helen McQuarrie. Oh um, yeah, may she rest in peace. She was she was a fucking powerhouse, dude. Yeah, she's so good. She was. I remember when she showed up in. Penny Dreadful, and that where she was. Oh my yes. god, she's so, so good, so so, mm. so good. Um, yeah, like, but there's a but there's a point where they discover all these sketches, and it's all this like all this like Georges Méliès like stuff like stuff that you've seen in his movies, all this fantastical imagery. And again, Hugo was a movie that was released in 3D. I don't know if we talked about that. Really no, we haven't brought that up yet. No, um, it's a three. It was a 3D movie. I saw it in 3D. Shot in 3D. Um, by the way, as well, that was a yeah. technology that Marty was interested in, so he used that for this one. And again, there was a period of time where, like, best cinematography was going to a bunch of 3D movies. Mm. Um, so, like, Avatar won cinematography, uh, Hugo won cinematography, Life of Pi, I think, won cinematography. I think it won cinematography, and I think maybe Gravity did too. I yeah, I, I think you're right. Gravity did win because of like the long takes. Yeah, it yeah. was which it it was like that was like there was that brief moment in time where it was like oh 3D could actually be used for some it was being used by some of the best filmmakers in the world. Uh, then it started to become like a like crutch for you know let's make more money on the ticket. Yeah, let's like m- make you put on glasses. Um, yeah, kind of thing. But like all these sketches and like and then you know George Melies comes in and he's just like you're cruel. So. You're cruel, because like he, here's the this is the context, and this is also, I don't know if I want to get into the point that I want to make too soon with this, but I I think it to me it illustrates why for me I think film preservation is so important. Um, but like when that when that moment happens, he's he's immediately devastated because he's been trying this whole time to completely forget about that part of his life, and so seeing all those pictures that he had stored away. Um, just really destroyed him, and he yeah, like he was already on edge with Hugo, and then sort of bonding with him a little bit, like even teaching him magic tricks, because George Milias was a magician, and yep. um, what happened after that is like he's just like no, you're not, you're you're a cruel, you're a cruel boy. How could you do this? Mm-hmm. How? And that just motivated Hugo to really like. You know, like some like this is this is amazing. You know, like we need to we need to find out more about this, and so that's when we meet my, uh, Michael Sahlberg's character, 
who's like a like a Miliez expert. And yeah, he's, like, a, he's a film. He's a he's like a professor. Yeah, like he's a you know he's he's part of the stuff. the film academy. You know, you know, mm-hmm. he, he was a an academy a academy member basically. Uh, in the Fr- in, in France in be, the know. France the France. Oui. Yeah. <laughs> it's cause and effect. Uh, <laughs> um. But they meet Michael Stahlberg, and he, actually Michael Stahlberg, and um, he has all of this um, preserved memorabilia, like costumes, um, old photographs, uh, actual, like, stuff that Milliez got, like his personal stuff that he, that he was able to acquire, especially because he thought Milliez was dead. Yeah. And then meeting Hugo and Isabel, he learns, no, no, no. Miliez is alive, just he's dead internally. Right. You know, his soul is dead. Um, but Michael Stahlberg, being the the amazing character in this film that he is, has all of this stuff and even has a preserved film print of one of Miliez's films, The Trip to the Moon. Because mm-hmm. as we learn in the film, and as I'm sure, you know, there's, there's some truth to this as well, like a lot, especially because, you know, we got to understand, like, film is highly flammable at the time. Yeah. And so, you know, to preserve that stuff, especially when, you know, you have, like, a house fire or something or anything happens, like, oh, like, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and Miliez at one point um, sold all of his film prints in the film, and they used the chemicals from the films to make shoe heels. Right, and so like now, yeah. whenever like when you watch the movie at like for a second time, anytime you hear like shoes, I get like, I feel bad for him. <laughs> like, oh no, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, so it adds it's like that added effect if you whenever you decide to watch it again. But then we have this wonderful moment when Hugo and Isabel decide to surprise George, uh, Papa George and his wife um, with Michael Stahlberg and the film that he has. Though George doesn't initially watch it, and uh, they start playing the movie, and this like incredible moment happens, like this nothing but like joy, like remembering the good times and and the absolute beauty of that moment in their lives, and then the moment where you realize Papa George was there the whole goddamn time, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he sees all of it, and. Wow. Yeah. It's an incredible moment. And it's that scene for me that fully illustrates the the real, like, not just the, like, the real importance, but, like, one of the real important aspects of film preservation is that you're preserving history, which is incredibly important, but you're also preserving, like, the soul of someone. Yeah. You know, like, because that's the thing. Like, when we meet George Melies even though we don't know who he is, obviously, but like he's, he already seems like this old man who's just a hollow shell of what he was. He's a husk. And that's because, uh, you know, after a while when the war happened, no one wanted to watch any of his movies. And cause you know, he made these, these, the, these living dreams, these dreams put on screen that were these fantastic magical things that 
people just couldn't latch on to anymore because and that happens even today as well like real tragedies happen and and people can't you know watch these things anymore right because they just don't it's like there's just too much reality it's like how am i gonna how am i gonna get lost in a dream when all of this other shit is happening which is it's it's kind of a strange phenomenon when you think about it but it's like right now it's sort of the reverse because like you know with the pandemic and everything and now movies are getting more fantastical and more exciting and like maximalist like we talk about um you know, like something like top gun maverick is just like this let's go big or go home <laughs> larger than life um kind of thing um but i love i love the when they show the flashbacks when he's filming mm-hmm. and then how they recreate like how like the process it just makes it seem like such a like obviously it's a lot of hard work, but it just seems like looks so much fun. Like all these, you're dressing up in these like extravagant costumes. You're making mm-hmm. these great crazy sets. I love one of my other favorite things is like they have the the fish tank, like it's, it's glass. So when you shoot it, it just looks like oh hey, there's fish. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just such a nice like fun way to solve that problem. It, or like you know, just yeah yeah, like it it made me think of like when I was making like some of my short films. And, like, some of the things, like, some of the different tricks and stuff that we did to, like, do certain things. So, like, um, there was uh, a vampire one that I did. And so, like, you know, even though it was shot in black and white, like, painting, like, my friend's faces to be really pale and have, like, dark sunken eyes and, like, some kind of, like, like uh, we didn't have any vampire fangs, so we just kind of tricked it a little bit so they just didn't talk so much. Um, my one friend wore a turtleneck, so he was hiding his bite marks. Um, or like, I, I, I loved that a lot of the, a lot of the end scene was based around me wanting to just do a, a bit where a vampire's dying and like smoke just envelops them. Right. So we just stuck like a little smoke bomb under like my friend and then lit it mm-hmm. and it looked so good. <laughs> like, there you we're go. just filming, we're like, this looks so good. And it made me it, like it, it's, it was one of those scenes. Like it just made me want to like go through that again because it's so fun to make stuff like that yeah or, or like when i did the fast and the furious thing and i dressed like dom toretto <laughs> <laughs> yes. so uh, it's i think that's a uh, that's power of, of, a, of a scene like that is like it, it makes you want to try it so i, I hope mm-hmm. i hope maybe other it had like a similar effect on other people that maybe wanted to make stuff and make movies and stuff Right. And it really is an emphasis of like, this is, you know, there's that line. I have the quote pulled up. Oh, this is your old letterboxed. This is my, yeah. If you've ever wondered where your dreams come from, you look, you look around, this is where they're made. And it's like, it's, it's like these movie movies can be like a dream factory. And when you, I have like the Millie's movies on, on disc and I got trip to the moon on, on Blu-ray and they're just, they're just a lot of, there's fun, these fun, like shorts there's these crazy things like his head pops up in random spots and you see a bunch of George Melies's heads floating <laughs> about and it's just like it's it's so fun and it's just it's just this early period where it's just like there's a lot of like you know with footage of, like, like when they're they this technology of filmmaking they're like okay what are we gonna do with it there's a lot of documenting of like different things and, and whatnot I love with George Melies it's like this is the ultimate like medium where you can really you can really go for it. You have a lot of, because you have, I feel like, um, I said this to Joey, like, if I was a film fan, like, back in those days, I think George Milias would probably be my favorite director, because I love a lot of movies like that. It's, a, it's like, it, admittedly, there's, like, that huge level of escapism to it, 
because you know like I, I I you know I exist in my own reality and all the stuff I deal with on a daily so like if I can just throw in a movie that takes me somewhere else um yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna relish it so like I love things like like Avatar or like I love things like Pacific Rim that are like these larger than life big movies that you know they're not trying to be too much but they're like welcoming you to these like insane worlds that are just so fun and you know thrilling yeah and like in reality like would I want to live in a world where there's a bunch of kaiju like destroying cities no <laughs> I would die. But if I can if I can live in that world, exist in that world while looking out a window effectively, like metaphorically speaking, I'm gonna do it. Yeah. It's so, um yeah. yeah. It, it it's just and that that's really like one of the main points of the movie. Um obviously there's a there's a lot of scenes of like there's a lot of like like subplots in this movie. Like that that's really like the main heart of it, what we just talked about, but like there's of course the station inspector played by Sasha Baron Cohen, mm-hmm. um, who who appears to have had some type of injury during World War One or at this point the Great War. Yeah. Um, and you know there's like there's all he's got his thing with Emily Mortimer, you know, and it's like he wants to nice... talk to her but he's nervous about it, but at the same it's, it's time, very... yeah. Sorry, there's that there's that whole like cat and mouse thing with Hugo. That's really funny, and it plays very like like kind of Buster Keatony, you know. It's it's very Chaplin because like Chaplin. I remember when Chaplin Chaplin saying like like all I need <clears throat> to make a movie is is a camera, a park, a pretty girl, and a cop. And Sasha Baron Cohen is effectively the cop. There's a lot. <laughs> there's so many of those Chaplin shorts where it's just like, or like different sound film shorts where it's just like they're pissing off a cop or something yeah. like that. You know. I, I like I like when um his like the device on his leg gets hooked on a uh, a handle for the train oh <laughs> and yeah. he's like move the bag move the bag oh! <laughs> <laughs> it's just really funny that it's it's really funny i also think about the um uh harry potter's uncle <laughs> harry <laughs> potter's <laughs> uncle <laughs> <laughs> and his his romance with the the el- the older lady in the station but her dachshund hates him <laughs> and so yes. um his his uh uh solution to that is he gets a dachshund that becomes best friends with her dachshund so they can they can you know have a romance together it's it's cute right it's uh, so cute yes i was to say uh madame emile emile mm-hmm. emily uh is played by francis uh francis de la tour and then richard griffiths um is is obvious is, is the other is the guy mm-hmm. um like great um richard griffiths <sighs> um should i should i should i finally bring up the 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 weird connection aspect of this movie especially i think with... I, I think oh, oh, oh because, <laughs> yeah you should bring it up honestly because this was this this kind of was kind of blowing my mind um how connected this <laughs> how, how connected this this really is this is a whole conspiracy because so Here's the thing. Um, I feel like one one reason why this is the case is because, admittedly, one of the producers on the movie is Johnny Depp. So I imagine, you know, he he knows all these people and is able to make all these connections. So he's like, hey, Marty, what if we get all these people in it? Uh, they're all friends of mine that I've worked on fa- various films with. <laughs> Long story short, um, I know I said this. Uh, I probably wouldn't want to bring this up ever again, uh, but, you know, it happens, um, especially given my own past. But, you know, I grew up uh, 
um, a big fan at the time of Tim Burton. And I can't help but watch this movie and notice how many connections to Tim Burton there are. (laughs) So, like, just just going down the list. I mean, yeah, Johnny Depp's a producer. He's not in the movie, as far as I know. I think apparently he might have a cameo, but I didn't notice it, but... I wouldn't um, be surprised if he does. It, it says it says Michael Pitt, Scorsese, and Brian Selznick have cameo roles. I, I, Michael Pitt was the production uh, pro- projectionist guy. Um, my, uh, Martin Scorsese was the can- uh, photographer, and I don't know what Brian Selznick looks like, but I, I so I can't tell you who he was. But yeah, I, I, I wish I could remember that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so you got Johnny Depp as a producer, um, John Logan wrote the script for this movie um who for joey and i he's uh the creator of penny dreadful which we're huge fans of but also speaking of penny dreadfuls he wrote the screenplay for the film adaptation of sweeney todd mm-hmm. <laughs> which was directed by tim burton which we talked about on our show um yes. Don- dante ferretti i believe is how you pronounce his name okay. um uh if i mispronounce it we can fix it later um but uh he was the production designer on this film Speaking of Sweeney Todd, he was also the production designer of the Sweeney Todd film, and I believe he won an Oscar for that. Um, <laughs> and then Howard Shore, who does the music, <laughs> did uh, Ed Wood. <laughs> so thankfully, you know, especially given recent news, Danny Elfman did not do the music, but Howard Shore did do the music. Um oh God. Um, that's a whole, if you want to know what's going on with that, just look it up. I don't want, we're not going to bring it up. Yeah. Um, but that was funny though. Obviously Howard Shore is probably mostly known for Lord of the Rings, I think, cause that's an iconic score, but, uh, yeah, uh, he did do this as well and he did work with Tim Burton. Um, <laughs> that Joey, Joey's so happy about this bit. Um, <laughs> and now the actors, because 90% of them have all been in Tim Burton movies shockingly enough so like uh asa butterfield obviously miss peregrine um as i mentioned um chloe grace moretz dark shadows um harry potter's uncle was in sleepy hollow um the love interest uh the the older woman she's in alice in wonderland (laughs) sasha baron cohen is in sweeney todd (laughs) christopher lee is in a lot of them (laughs) But most importantly, as as Willy Wonka's dentist, <laughs> daddy. <laughs> dentist daddy. <laughs> but we got an upgrade with Sally Hawkins for the Paul King film. So not that not that Christopher Lee's like lower, but we got Sally Hawkins. Um, let's see who else. Uh, um, ben Kingsley was not in a Tim Burton movie, as far as I know. Nor was um, uh, Emily Mortimer. I'm thinking about, um, oh, the big surprising one. <laughs> when we go to the flashback and we look at young Michael Stahlberg and his older brother, <laughs> both of those kids were in Tim Burton movies. <laughs> the older brother was Toby and Sweeney Todd and, and young Michael Stahlberg was the little brother in Dark Shadows. <laughs> <laughs> so for the longest time i was like oh clearly martin scorsese is just a huge tim burton fan 
<laughs> Which I he could be because he did tell Tim he like he might like some of his movies because I think he did tell Tim Burton once that he has a thirty five millimeter print of Beetlejuice in his house in his collection. So there he might be some sort of a fan to a certain extent, but um, it, in retrospect, I'm like it, the, the Johnny Depp influence is probably there as well. But it's just yeah. really funny just going watching it again now and just like holy shit, <laughs> and then Joey just yeah. going. What? Why? Why? <laughs> I'm trying to have a nice time. <laughs> I'm trying to enjoy myself. George Miliez, and you're bringing this shit up. <laughs> Bring, you're bringing this shit up, and and you was this before or after we came to the realization that that Hugo is literally me? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was. I think I think I was planning on it. So technically, before, but I think I mentioned it after Hugo. Okay. All yeah. right. Okay. So yep. do you want to do you want to talk about that a little bit? <laughs> yeah. So obviously, like this movie. Hugo is has this automaton is the only thing he has left of his dad basically and he's got to figure out what it is you know and uh it's like it's like a little boy who's you know when his dad died he's left behind with all these VHS tapes uh you know and happy birthday it, it, Joey it, it was funny because I was thinking about it and then you literally said it like three <laughs> seconds after I was thinking about it it was like you know <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm, yep, just, just, I knew what you were going to do. It was like, I, it was just like a, a, like a drift-compatible moment right there. Uh, well, like, I, I, I always get hesitant to bring stuff like that up, because I don't want to just, like, be a co- like constantly reminding you of that, you know, point in your life, because I'm sure you get reminded by your own self every every so often. <laughs> I, I, I just wake up, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like, oh, good morning, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 23 years shit damn it it hasn't changed <laughs> um it's just it's just that that time is still it's just the gulf gets larger you know um but like, listen, the thing is i bring i feel like i just you, you get worried but i feel like i bring it up <laughs> <laughs> well no it's like because it like i i was like when um when we did the interview and your friend brought it up immediately i'm like I get so nervous to even say anything. <laughs> he just like went boom. <laughs> he just really went for a hard hitting, que- a really good but hard hard hitting question. <laughs> so like like this moment happens in the movie, and I'm like, he's probably thinking of it, but sh- but should I say like this is but I, this yeah, is kind of like it, Joey. You no, know, this also made me think of the. I don't know if you remember the movie Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. I remember its existence, but I never watched it. I watched it once. I didn't hate it, but I remember it was like, everybody's like, how the fuck did this get nominated for Best Picture? This is like garbage. Mm-hmm. But basically the main gist of it is about this boy whose dad died, I believe, on 9-11. It was like, he, his dad died on 9-11, okay. and he's trying to figure out something. He's like, what the fuck does this mean? And it was one, it was one of those pieces, like, pieces of media where I'm like, I, I connected with it for that reason. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was a great movie, and I don't, I don't know if I'd ever be curious enough to watch it again. Uh... But it is kind of a fascinating artifact that it was a movie that got nominated for Best Picture. And if you ask most people about it today, they'll be like, what? Like, oh, really? Oh, that that happened. It's like um, the same ballpark as Crash. Like, that one? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it won. I, I, although, I, I think at least Crash has the, has, the, um, has the notoriety of being, like, considered the worst Best Picture winner. This, <laughs> this, this doesn't, doesn't even have that. It's just a movie. <laughs> it's like a movie that 
got some nomination, I guess. I I, I don't even hang on. I, I'm very curious about it now. Hold on. Joey's gonna get extremely loud and incredibly close about extremely loud and incredibly close. So this um, it didn't do very well financially. Uh, no. Award. I mean, uh, and awards. Uh, Awards-wise, this is the interesting note. I believe this is one of, if the only time that Max von Sydow was nominated for for an Oscar. He was oh. nominated for Supporting Actor. I completely forgot he's in the movie. Um, <laughs> but it was nominated for that and Best Picture. Weird. It was very weird. And it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't have any golden... Like, it, it, has, it, didn't, it had zero of, like, the big, like, precursors, like, it didn't get a Golden Globe nomination, no SAG nominations, um, mm-hmm. at least, I, yeah, no SAG nom. none of that's not to delve into all that, because, again, the awards are not important, no. but it is interesting, at least to me. Yeah. I mean, um, I've, I've, I still haven't seen it, so I can't really say anything, but I, I will say I'm surprised that Max von Sydow is even in that one. I wouldn't have clocked that as a, as a movie he would have been in, but... I mean, but listen, he was one of those actors that he appeared in like all sorts of things, especially like, like he the two thousand tens, too. Yeah, like in his later later life. Yeah, but but dude, he was in. I mean, you think about you think of the range of his career. Like he was in like the, a bunch of Igmar Berg seventh seventh fucking seal. Dude yeah. is in Skyrim. Okay, he was in Star Wars. You know, he's in Woody Allen movie. Like the 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 breadth of like The Exorcist, the breadth of like <laughs> all the things that he's been. I mean, I mean, you really think about it, like. One of the most varied careers um, oh, yeah. ever for anybody, you know. Um, not to derail too much, because uh, <laughs> we're talking about Joey's connection with Hugo. We're talking about my connection with Hugo because uh, Asa Butterfield, aka Bruce Wayne, aka Little Boy, uh, <laughs> which is even funnier because there were times when I first met Joey that he was compared to Batman. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, no, it was funny because whenever there was like a, a, a cat, okay, d- story time, story time, so like the group. So the group would do like fan casts sometimes. Our our little group, a friend group that we were a part of, yeah, when we first met. There were two. There were two things that were true. I was always cast as Batman, and you were always cast as the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> Which it's in some rea- in some way that makes sense. Uh, yes. <laughs> in some way, it kind of. I can't be antagonistic to Joey, but I do it in fun. I, I feel like it, I feel like if anything, though, we really like the the sixty six version versions of those characters. <laughs> and Richard was pulling my leg. <laughs> yeah, <well. laughs> I was reaching for something else, but this is a kid show. <laughs> I'm glad you caught that. <laughs> <laughs> see 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 you know it's like it's like like oh you think oh gee willikers the part where he talks about his dad must be the least <laughs> no it's where richard co- imaginarily cops a feel for joe Denny dan because i'm a villain <laughs> this episode <laughs> is the most inside baseball two fans episode. This is Thank so God inside baseball. We have near zero fans. <laughs> so you think <laughs> Listen, we're gonna it, get it, a, we're gonna get so many gonna, listeners. It's gonna blow up in my face. <laughs> Just in case anyone's wondering, no, I did not reach that far. He wouldn't let me. 
<laughs> Shout out to Allison. Uh, <laughs> Take that, Batman. <laughs> Hugo. 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 Whatever. This is, I, I feel like reality is converging. Now I'm just imagining Rand- Randy as Hugo. Randy scream <laughs> This is there's a this formula is, to it. He grabs his wheel. <laughs> Just the face. I'm sorry. The face made it funny. Well, so the thing with Hugo is that oh, it is a story. It is a story about trying to you know it's a it's a found family story. Okay, and um, Hugo. <laughs> Also learns the joys of film preservation. <laughs> it's the joys of film preservation, <laughs> and, and not copying a feel imaginarily. Not. Listen, if there's one thing you should know in this episode, never cop a feel without consent. Never, especially imaginarily. Especially imaginarily. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't just stop. <laughs> um, Let go. <laughs> stop. Oh no! Um, <laughs> the what's going to stay in this half is a question mark. <laughs> Very much so. Um, hi, Joey. Uh, Richard, how you? How uh, how how are you doing? <laughs> you know. No, oh, oh, just great. Need just a, great. Just need a little hug. Oh, that's all. Get any huggos from me, buddy boy. God damn it. <laughs> um no, but ultimately, you know, it, the, these two movies that we're talking about today, silent film, uh silent film related, they they both appreciate the era in different ways. Obviously, like like there's a lot of very noted like reference visual references, like Hugo hanging off the clock mm-hmm. is like Harold Lloyd in Safety Last, which celebrated its hundredth birthday this year. And they watched also, the, there's the clip of that. In the movie. They watched a clip of that. There's also The Train. Okay, The Train Arriving at the Station is one of the oldest movies. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, ever... It's the ones, like, sound film joke people make where it's like, oh, you, people jumped in horror because they thought the train was going to hit them. And it's like, it probably wasn't true, but it's, like, a, such a great story mm-hmm. to tell anyway. Um, and, of course, like, there's so many, like, different train things in movies anyway. Like, The General has perhaps the most one of the most famous... And expensive scenes in silent film history where the train collapses, the bridge collapses, and the train falls in that movie. Um, and there's like train, there's the train, of course, that's seen in one of Meliez's movies. So it, it, trains, 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 trains. Joey is also you know. a huge fan of trains. I love trains. I was into Thomas the Tank Engine, so it disappointed me when Alice and I were talking about childhood things. She was like, oh yeah, Thomas the Tank Engine creeped me the fuck out. And then I'm like, you watched JJ the Jet Plane? Stop! Um, <laughs> any any Timothy the Tooth fans? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out if you're Timothy Tooth. Come on, let's let's all just hang out on the big comfy couch, guys. Let's just do that. Big comfy couch. Uh, but yeah. So and I, I just think these are really cool movies. Um, and they both came out the same year. 
and it, it that they're so closely linked is is kind of fascinating because they were they felt like two of the front runners that year. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think of other movies like The Descendants was out that year. Um, what else was out? It was also Midnight in Paris uh, with Owen Wilson. Um, but these two, but it was it, so. Here's just not that this matters, but it was sort of like a weird split with these two movies. Like with the they both won five Oscars apiece. Hugo Deserved. won. One for best cinematography, best art direction, sound mixing, sound editing, and visual effects. So Dante Ferretti won for this movie as well as uh, yep. as for Sweeney Todd. There's your yes. <laughs> There's the connecting tissues. Sorry, <laughs> it all connects. It's all um, the same. <laughs> and then for the artist, I just want to make sure I get the these. I'm pretty sure I know, but just the um. Best picture, the accolades, the best picture, obviously, best director, um, best actor for Jean de Jardin, uh, best, um, hang on, where was the other one? It was best costume design and best original score, which makes sense. Peppy and um, Uggy should have won as well, but that's uh, beside the Bernice Bijot was nominated for a uh, supporting actress. Who won? Um, who won? Who won that year? That's yeah, actually who won? a very good question. Let me just, um, check that real quick i'm gonna check i feel like i should know this but oh octavia spencer for the help ah uh, okay i, I haven't Which seen the help, the help but i've heard she was very good in that she's very good in the movie it's just the movie has itself probably has not a it's probably no. one of those movies that has not aged well it's like yeah. i'm glad she has the oscar yeah. in that you know uh kind of one of those things but um yeah i mean so these both these it's kind of it kind of happens sometimes like that too where it's like you might have like two movies and they win like one wins like like Mad Max Fury Road won like all the technical stuff and then other movies win like uh, either other things or like one movie wins like a lot of the other like you know yeah things yeah um here's okay so at this point when when both these movies are out you're already like are you freshly a a, a silent film guy at this point I've probably been a silent film fan for like. A year and a half at this point. A year and a half. Okay, so you're still, still, still pretty fresh. Pretty fresh, yeah. And so, was this like a big year for you because of these two movies? You think specifically the artist? I think, I think so because it was like, you know, because the, how, and I know people's like, oh, it's, like, it's such a gimmicky thing to be a silent movie. But how many silent movies are there? Like, do, do we get the only other one of the only other modern ones I can think of is actually going back to Maribel Verdu. From earlier, um, from you know, Pan, you know, Pan's Labyrinth and all that, mm-hmm. she was in a movie called Blanca Nieves, which was an adaptation of Snow White with Spanish bullfighting. Oh, and that was um, I watched it once, and that was a, a I think it was mostly a silent film, and it doesn't happen very often. I f- and I, f- I think it's also sorry. Yeah. I don't, I'm sorry. Um, no, no. I feel like in recent examples that I can think of, silent films are usually like like movies that aren't necessarily silent but they deal with a lot of like you know like there's just a lot of move there's a lot of action more than talking and i don't mean like action movies but i mean like action movies in the sense like like the way uh jean dealman is described as like an action movie because it's a movie of actions as opposed to like right so i think like jean dealman feels like a silent movie in a way there's talking, it, it there's does. full conversations, but like it feels like because you're just watching her do this stuff. There are stretches where you're just like, 
we did a whole we did a whole special presentation on that but we haven't uploaded it yet so <laughs> i that's one of those i gotta get back to i gotta get back on track with editing that uh, that it's, it's really that episode i remember just listening just just us talking just going like fuck <laughs> did, did you ever listen to that to that half or did, did i, I don't never, think so. I, just never I don't did. remember all right well I'll, I'll try to finish it one of these days but again like silent like there's something to be said about like silent film like i was again oppenheimer going back to you know barbenheimer but oppenheimer is very much very much a movie where there's yes nolan's known for his sound but the silences that happen in that movie and just the images that you're left with are it, it is it is breathtaking and i think something like like oppenheimer i think is a great example of some of the stuff you can get from like how to tell a story visually you know and how images connect but also how do you the way to use and not the way to use sound you know way, way to have an absence of sound um film is yeah. is a visual medium first and foremost and yeah you know, when when someone said, "Hey, this could be a, a way to tell stories," you know, there was there's only so many ways that they could do that, but they found as many ways as they could to do it, and so that in many ways influenced the way so many movies are made today. Like again, I mentioned earlier, so many movies um, would not exist had it not been for their silent counterparts, and. You know, there's an inception for everything. There's a start for everything, and this is where this medium started with silent films. And if you're if you're someone that really wants to get into this, I think it's a hundred and ten percent worth going back and you know, like look at look at here's the best way to do it. Look at your favorite movies. Look at your favorite movies and see what those influences are. See where they come from. Like, you know, for example. You know, I was, you know, again, I'm a big Batman fan. And so a lot of the influences there made me want to go check out other things. Or, you know, going back to the Tim Burton thing, I'm so sorry. Um, you know, one of his major influences was German Expressionism. Now, as far as how well he uses that, that's up for debate. But either way, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have bothered to want to look at Nosferatu or Caligari or any of those movies. And I wouldn't, if I never actually had an interest, I wouldn't have bothered, but I was, and I'm like, I want to see what these movies are all about and how they influence the things that I grew up with. And so it's, it's always worth checking this stuff out, you know, and whether or not you like it, that's, you know, that's your own experience, but at least you checked it out at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, I liked it. That was like Greta Gerwig again, going back to Barbenheimer. She was like, she gave like a list of movies that were like inspirations for Barbie, you should check it. And I think that's, it's always such a cool thing. Uh, and I think one of the coolest things any filmmaker is like, hell yeah, you should check out these movies. Um, yeah. You know, and that's also, and I think it's, no, I'll yeah. let you, you know what? I'm going to let you say it. Cause um, I, I cut you off way too much today. Uh, uh, no, no, but it's, but it, it really is just like, you know, cause you, cause you can, it leads into so many, like uh, almost like an infinite, like pathway of different, like, I think it's also worth noting that I think this is why it's great we have things like the Criterion Collection or Arrow, Shout Factory, uh, uh, any of these restoration companies, um, Second Sight is another one I'd bring up, um, boutique labels, because these guys, you know, are their whole bit is preserving. um... And if it wasn't for them, then we wouldn't have the opportunity to be like, if you're like me, a big Crimson Peak fan, and you realize, oh, 
an influence on Crimson Peak was probably a movie called The Innocents. Um, and what's a better way to watch that than by picking up the Blu-ray from Criterion Collection? So it's, you know, from the preservation angle, you know, to, to go yep. through that method, it's it's amazing. So you can, you like, especially because right now it's July, so we have the Criterion sale. So you can, if you're watching a movie you love and you want to watch some of the things that influenced it, you can, and if it's in a collection or if it's from a certain label, you can pick it up. Like, and so I, I want to give a, you know, massive shout, no uh, pun intended, yep. to a lot of these labels like Shout Factory and Kino Lorber and all these guys um, for keeping the souls of these individuals as alive as they can be. So we can, we can keep their, their work and their worlds alive for future generations. And hopefully those future generations will maybe get an influence from it and want to make stuff themselves. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. There you go. Um, as well said, folks, Folks, uh, do you have any movies that were like gateway movies for you that got you into other things? Um, what's your what's your favorite? Um, how do I put this? Oh you boy! What, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, were you an artist fan or were you, were you a Hugo? Um, or were you a Hugo fan? Where'd you put your money? <laughs> where, 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 did you lose money or did you did you win? You know, um, that damn you, Scorsese, you cost me two twelve two thousand dollars. <laughs> that, dude, that's just a, a studio when they when they invested in silence. <laughs> and Marty's just like, I don't give a damn. I just make what I want. <laughs> you guys gave me the money. I you, you. <laughs> and that that is why we love them. All right, uh, that's gonna wrap it up for this week's episode of Two Dudes One Double Feature. Check us out next week. Have a good night, everyone, and a big, happy, damn birthday to Joe Dinny Dan. I love you, good sir. Woo! Thank you all for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout-out, as always, to John and Kenny Armstrong. Thank you guys for everything you do. We love you both so much. And, of course, stay tuned for a brand-new episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Double feature.